VHS files contain spoilers, adult content, and harsh language. Listener discretion is advised. It's Friday. Time to watch a movie and make some memories. But first, tell them about the Twinkie. Welcome to the VHS files. You're listening to the VHS Files Podcast. I'm your host, Josh. I'm Jenny Liu. Jason. I am Eric. And how is everybody doing tonight? Awesome. I'm just fine, buddy. Just, Everything's just everything's fine. good here. Good here, bro. <laughs> so um, tonight was supposed to be our first guest episode, and I just want to say uh, that the guest that we had invited on the show, unfortunately, here in uh, where we are in Florida, we... Had a little visitor by the name of Hurricane Sally and kind of got to the better of the area that our buddy Nathan, who was going to be on tonight, was at. So uh, he's he's, he's good. Everything's okay. Just he's suffered a little bit of a mishap there since this hurricane came through, and he will not be with us tonight, unfortunately. But we will have him on an episode in the near future for sure. So, um, again, this is a shout-out to Nathan and... We miss you, Nathan. And his uh, podcast, you know, we, we definitely wanted to have them on to cross-promote, but we definitely understand not needing, uh, not being able to do it because of this situation. Yeah, all, all too All too clearly, mm-hmm. me and Jenny at least, and Eric, Eric as well. Too. But um, we are going to be talking one of the biggest movies we're going to talk in this era, and a movie that means a lot to all of us, I think. And tonight we are talking Ghostbusters. Ghosts. Hello, Ghostbusters. They're real. You do? You have? They're here. Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. So they catch the <laughs> I'll just go ahead and start the conversation off with they don't make movies like this anymore. No. no. This this long time. This freaking movie, and we'll get into it. I I mean, they just I can't even I can't even begin to fathom why anyone would want to touch this movie. But this movie um, is lightning in a bottle. Absolutely lightning in a yep. bottle. Um with a with a great cast behind it, great crew. Um, I mean, this movie is just, I can understand why it became the phenomenon it did. And, and to, and the least likeliest of movies, to be honest, after listening to some of the commentary about it and where it came from, but Ghostbusters released on June 7th, 1984, um, with a budget of 25 to 30 million. Actually, I heard in the commentary today that they had right about 31. They went a little over budget on it, but with a turn turnaround of, $296 $296 million. That's like, a lot for 1984. Yeah. That's a lot for now, I think. Yeah, shoot, um, just inflation alone, it's over probably $600 million. So that's a pretty good box office. Yeah. So obviously one of the biggest movies of 1984. Um, so let's go back to 1984. Eric, take us back in time. Tell us what was rad in 1984. Well, Josh, Ronald Reagan was president uh, a movie ticket would set you back two dollars and fifty cents. Hulk Hogan defeats the Iron Sheik to win his first World Wrestling Federation title, and uh, Madonna dances on the stage uh, at the first VMAs in, in Humpset. 
Ooh, yeah. winning nice. dress one. Yes. <laughs> we know. I remember that. We all one. know about that performance. <laughs> so, so yes, this is the year. Time. This is the year before the nudes in Playboy came. All right. Out. So she was already getting getting set to go. You also would have saw Night Court premiering on NBC around this time. The Supreme Love Court it. ruled that the private use of home VCRs to tape TV programs for later viewing does not violate federal copyright laws. Yes. Damn right. Down Kids with the man. Rejoice. Yes. No. <laughs> it was like a great year for all of us. We would not be where we are now if that would not have gone through, I don't think. I think or we, we would, would all, all be in prison. Been, we'd all be in jail. And, <laughs> yeah. so. I would not be in jail. But also, you got <laughs> Michael Jackson wins eight Grammys at the Grammy Awards that year. And his hair caught fire at the Pepsi and his, That's right. And oh. then you also got, like, great year for music and movies. You also had Prince release Purple Rain. Oh. So, oh, yeah. Great, great year for that stuff. And uh, But also another big thing that they highlighted in 1984, where I got my information, is Ghostbusters was released. It was that big. It was, it's like, you write it in the history books, Ghostbusters came out in 1984. So tonight we're going to get into it. Um, I do not distinctly remember. Well, actually, no. Let me take that back. I do remember the first time I watched Ghostbusters. And I don't want to get into it until we start talking about the movie, but... It was. It took this viewing plus another for me to watch this movie, and we'll get into that when we start talking about it. But this is one of those I remember we rented it. I did not go to the theater, but we'll get into my memories of this as we start talking about the movie. How about you, Jenny? I don't remember the first time I saw Ghostbusters. What I remember is my cousin had the proton pack and the little trap thing. And I was so jealous. I wanted it so <laughs> bad. <laughs> and he got to be a ghostbuster for Halloween. Awesome. I wanted to be a ghostbuster, but no. So mm. I loved ghostbusters, but I get all the toys. Yeah, we'll we'll get into that on my side too. <laughs> Jason, how about you? Oh, uh, my memories of it are actually, like I've said, I think in every episode, did not see it in the theater. Uh, it was something I later caught on rental. Of course, every kid at school talks about, oh, how great Ghostbusters is, blah blah blah, and all you get to see is the trailers on TV, and you're just a mad. But what's even funny is before you even see the movie, just from the trailers, you would see. All your friends are carrying around sticks, you know, in their hands, like they're the wands from the proton packs catching ghosts that are flying through the yard or in your house or knowing and your friends dressing up like a ghost and you're trying to trap him. And, but, yeah, I would say the probably the first time I had ever watched it was uh, on a rental from a video store. Uh, I mean, if it, of course, back then, you know, shoot, you had Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis and all that. So, you know, you've seen them in other movies like Blues Brothers and, uh, stripes and stuff like that so that was definitely a mandatory thing in my house because my parents loved those guys in those movies so it's definitely yeah it was a rental the first time not in the movie theater but many times watched over the past nearly 30 years or so so oh yeah yeah eric how about you well uh another cousin story uh my first memories of ghostbusters is halloween uh i i was three and i posted a picture on our social media 
of it. But uh, me and my cousin were uh, were Ghostbusters. We we our our wands were snorkels. Uh, we had like a tube <laughs> connected to our ba- our packs, which were uh, those big in fridge water jugs, the big rectangular. Oh ones. my god, um, <laughs> that's awesome! <laughs> we had the little gear on, and uh, our parents had a, a little boombox that played the, oh. the theme song. So we were just bopping through the neighborhood. I mean, that was like one of the coolest Halloween's ever, and uh, yeah, I mean. That absolute classic, big part of my childhood. Love that movie. I Always love have. homemade Halloween costumes. Yeah, yeah. Like, absolutely. They're the best. I think that's uh, that's a good thing to get into with this movie. I mean, just the impression it left on pop culture at that time, and it didn't matter if you were a boy or a girl. Like everybody wanted to be a Ghostbuster, mm-hmm. and it's just it's so funny now to watch when you're you know almost almost 40 like me and in our thirties and what they put into making that stuff, like the proton packs and what all the stuff that went into making the Ecto one could be just all these little simple household items. But to us, they looked like things that were never going to be attainable. Yeah. Just plain household stuff that they made. They had to make up something out of. Mm -hmm. So, well, the, the, the effects work in this is such a massive part of what makes it special in Mm -hmm. in a, in a way that isn't, that the case in in all movies uh yeah. right the, especially around this time yeah i mean oh, yeah. they are throwing everything at the wall every mm-hmm. trick they could possibly try and do just down to the the props and you know uh, apparently Ackroyd designed that stuff before he the designed, script or a, a, des- a, an early version of it anyway but it looks right. cobbled together it's so creative it's it looks so functional it, was, it looks like it was made by you know, some lazy uh, scientists in a in a dusty lab. Like it's not it's not some smooth Apple product. You know oh, what yeah, I mean? Definitely, yeah. There's a little yeah. ruggedness to those proton yeah. packs. And what's funny is, is you can see them making that stuff throughout the movie. You see little hints of them. Yeah, of Egon back there. Yeah, tinkering, tinkering with stuff and. Yep. But but it's it's that and yeah I I listened to the, uh, the commentary when I watched it today. And it was with Ivan Reitman and Harold Ramis and I think one of the producers. And they were talking about this was all a genesis of Dan Aykroyd. And Dan Aykroyd met up with with Harold Ramis and they started working on the script together. It was originally intended to be Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi. And Eddie Murphy. I didn't get to that part in the commentary. They didn't mention Eddie Murphy. but Eddie Murphy was was Eddie Murphy, then uh, the Belushi and... Aykroyd were the original, I believe. Dan Aykroyd is apparently into paranormal stuff for real. Oh yeah, and that's kind of where <laughs> this stemmed from. Yeah. And he, had, yeah, he, he had already had drawings and mock-ups of everything he wanted to do as far as the proton packs and all the the ghost logo too. The yeah, they had that. Yeah. It was it was a different variation of it. I think they tinkered right. with it a little bit, but yeah, yeah. the basic but, concept. Yeah. What what blows me away about this. Even aside from the practical side, I mean, yes, they they used so many practical effects over. Oh yes. Yeah. Now and, and it's funny you can listen to the commentary and Ivan Reitman will tell you every time there was just a, an optical insert into it and he hates the way they look. He will, like when they would show the the cityscapes or even the top of the building, he was so quick to speak up and hear. Oh, here's another terrible optical insert shot. But <laughs> well, there are watch- some bad shots in this and and there's some bad effects in this and I was re- just reading about the effects just to kind of 
wrap my head around it a little bit. And, and you know, we're so far removed watching this now, but apparently, you know, some of that stuff, some of that bad composite stuff, like with the monster running and stuff like that, were considered bad then. <laughs> you know, not right, just now. Right. <laughs> but it's also funny because the the animation stuff, those the noodle lasers or whatever, mm-hmm. it, it looks as good as ever. Like it it looks better than any CGI, yeah. you know, thing. Uh, it, it's amazing. It's like layers and layers of animation and and real pyro and stuff like that it's it's Mm -hmm. amazing how how many elements and methods they put into this you know what i mean right and definitely a major amount of detail i think in a a few of the like the molds for stuff like uh even in the slimer even though it's a little optical effects there for slimer but like i think the thing that got me was the the dogs the zool demon dogs when they're Mm -hmm. just there like in the bed they look real and it's 1984 yeah. and they look like, I mean, I mean, I was terrified as a kid seeing this thing. I'm like, all right, I'm going to open my door and there's going to be this demon dog in my bed <laughs> after seeing that. But I mean, of course, when they're, you know, they're running, you, you know, you get back to the whole, like, it looks like clash of the Titans, Jason and Argonauts right. type stuff <laughs> running across that. But when they're just there, man, I mean, even to today, like we all just recently probably watched this again. It's that part stands up till today in 2020. It yeah, looks I mean, great. Anything with the with the if, with that stuff, the the dog or any of the the animatronic stuff they had to do when they didn't have oh. to make it move very very mm-hmm. fast, it looks great. Yeah. I mean, all the practical stuff. Well, is, is one amazing. of one of the best in in the movie is in the beginning in the library scene. This is a great intro that has no main characters of yeah. the movie. Yep. You just have the little old librarian stacking her books away. <laughs> then you don't even see what she's so scared of, but it's so effective. And it's a, and it's, it's beautifully a, shot anyway. and it's a, yeah. And, it, and it's in the, actually in the New York library and all the practical stuff with the, with the, the index drawers. Yeah. Yes. Floating up. Like, everything's so aisle. perfectly done. Yeah. Yep. And, and I mean, it's, like you say, it's a, it's an effective scare too. Like the opening is a great example of what they had to do to get by with with, with some of the stuff they wanted to do. Because essentially, you don't see the ghost; right. you just see her react mm-hmm. to something. And it's amazing what they accomplish in this movie with just lights and fans. Yep, I, I noticed like <laughs> just off-screen stuff that you can react to. Yep, and they talk about that in the commentary. But yeah, I mean. The the index cards was a false wall, and they just had people behind it pushing them out, and they were they had copper tubing in the bottom, and they would blow air through them to make the cards go. Uh, I, I I never I never knew that until listening to the commentary this time. And totally you know, ruined it for me, Josh. I thought it was real, and, but and it looks amazing, <laughs> and it will always look amazing because it's real cards flying through. The right, air. it's not it's not CGI. Animated. So yeah, so. And they had to pick those cards up and put them back in the drawers every time they had to reshoot that scene. (laughs) I don't want that job. So Harold Ramis talks a lot about the things they had to do because he was a writer and he was present for a lot of what happened. So uh, RIP. Yes. Yes. I miss him. Bummer. One of the greats. But then, yeah, we we get our introduction to our main character. What, What makes this movie is it's subtle. The subtlety of this movie is what makes this movie great. And we'll talk about it as we go forward. But just that plain, simple two-minute opening 
sets you up for an adventure like like you've never seen before when you were that age. And I was amazed at how much they just throw you into this movie with no explanations for anything. You're just going to meet Dr. Venkman and through him you'll meet Ray, but and you get this sense of character just 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 through them talking. There's no exposition. It's just It's so much more natural than some movies nowadays yeah. that force it down your throat how people know each other and um, their history, but this you're just kind of tossed in to their scientific world. Yeah. It's like Jenny and I were talking about nowadays, you know, they have remade this movie. We could talk about that later, but you know, if they were going to do a rehash of this movie, let's say they did a traditional remake of it. It would start with Ray as a young child and he was woken up in the middle of the night and he saw a real ghost. And that's why like, you know, you don't have any of that. It's just, you're thrown right into it with these guys. You don't need it. And, and you don't, you don't need all of that. I mean, this movie, this movie work just works, just works on so many levels. But Eric, did you have something to say about the uh, interview scene? Well, my daughter, was kind of creeped out a bit that he was hitting on that, that co- college student. <laughs> She's yep. like, ew, he's so old. <laughs> but we, we looked it up and he was relatively young compared to what she thought he was. You know, and he she, just looked older. Yeah he's, yeah. he's a rough 33 or something in this movie. It's, but this was like, a- always looked like that. It's weird. Yeah. Bill Murray is not what you consider a generally attractive guy he is not a leading man you material. Know, there's no like, square jaw and like nice hair he's like his hair is everywhere yeah and <laughs> it's the humor he's got some acne scarring yeah. and yeah like he's the ladies love to laugh that ladies love to laugh yeah. that's all it's it his charm he makes absolutely this experiment <laughs> is so unscientific <laughs> <laughs> that Harold Ramis talks about it though. He said it was based on something that they'd found a study on, and it was if the people that were giving the shocks, how long could they stand yeah. giving it to them? But something tells me Peter Venkman would have just kept shocking yep. that absolutely <laughs> until he got the girl's number, and then it would have been, Oh, this is over. You can go ahead and leave now. Here's your five dollars. And you know, to be the guy, it's like you need to start showing me these cards, bro. Yeah, because he <laughs> he shows the guy the cards when they're when they're when they're wrong. When they're wrong, he never shows the girl a card ever. Right, but it it tells you so much about his character and where he's where where we're gonna see him go. And what's crazy is uh, Bill Murray wasn't the uh, first choice to even play Vakeman in there. I think they I think I read somewhere that what was it Chevy Chase and Michael Keaton turned it down. Hmm. Oh my gosh, we've been completely yeah. different. I'm movie like, that would have been kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Mom. Yeah, yeah, there's another version of this with Michael Keaton and Eddie Murphy and who knows who else. <laughs> Everybody, I'd else, watch yeah. it. But the thing is, is you after you know you hear, you read that and you learn that you're like, but nobody else could play this but Bill. Murray. Yeah, absolutely. Nobody yeah. could be this character but Bill Murray. Bill Murray's performance in this movie is one of the best comedic performances of all time. Mm-hmm. Like. He, like there's no, there's nothing, and maybe this is because we saw this when we were kids and we didn't know any better, didn't know Bill Murray from much else because I hadn't really seen him in, in much else. But there was, like, he was Peter Venkman. He wasn't Bill Murray. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think, like, and I will base my opinion of Bill Murray from that point on, on the Ghostbusters performance. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he played that card for a while. It wasn't until he got older that he started kind of, I mean, he's still that. I, I feel like that's, like, inherently 
in him, you know. Yeah. But yeah, he he's definitely, uh, you know, tried some different things over yeah. the years. And some of it works good. I mean, we can get into it later, you know, in the podcast when we start talking about the um, life aquatic and so. Why is his name escaping me right now? But Wes Anderson. So when we get into the Wes Anderson movies <laughs> and how that kind of revived his career in yeah. a sense, absolutely. So, but through there we meet Dan, uh, Dan Aykroyd as as Ray, and I can only imagine this was Ray. This was Dan Aykroyd on the set all the time because he's so like he is into the paranormal. They wrote the script and. Mm-hmm. He plays it so good though. He's so excited. Yeah, he's like a kid in a candy store in almost yep. every scene. That's what I was about to say. He is just like, he acts like we would have if, hey, we get the chance to go fight ghosts and stuff like this. I mean, he is just like the big kid of the bunch. Absolutely. Even yeah. No, he takes, you know, his ghost busting seriously, stuff like that. But he is like the big kid of the four. And yeah. It's, yeah. it's so fun to watch him do everything. Everything to him is exciting. Like later in the movie, yeah, we're just, just as the, excited the littlest, as he is. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, like, you know, not to get too far ahead, but certain things were, you know, sliding down poles and working on cars. He is just super excited. Ruining like, negotiations. Yeah, that would have been me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I don't know if you got this impression, but watching this scene, you know, when Ray comes in and he's so excited and talking to Peter that they seem at this point more like colleagues than friends. Like, you know, Bankman is so dramatic and he's just like, oh, this guy again yeah. with the paranormal stuff and it's getting in the way of me getting laid. And it's, just, <laughs> it's like, I just felt like it was like, oh, I have to put up with this guy. Because well, was it the dean that said they were they were it was more like they were, you know, running, a, getting away with something, running a ruse? I, I feel like Bankman, yeah. while he is a scientist, is the ruse. He, he was just. You know, he wasn't really yeah, working wasn't. hard at anything. He he was just getting his money, getting his funds yeah. from the college so that he could hang out and try to pick up college girls, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah of, of the three of them, are, of the first three before Winston comes in later, yeah, it's like Ray and Egon are the scientists, the real scientists. Like, they're, mm-hmm. they're probably out creating things. And, you know, Bill Murray's character with Vakeman probably he went to school, he did get his doctorate, but that's really that's what it is. He's just Dr. Vakeman and you know, he's using it to, you know, hook up with college girls on campus. So yeah, he probably cheated his way through school too. <laughs> <laughs> he's just he doesn't need to know it. He can just he's clever enough to Well, they get in they get into that a little bit uh, after they're after they're we're jumping a little ahead a little bit, but they get into that in the conversation after they have their first experience with the ghost. Mm-hmm. Um and Ray starts talking about, you know, when when they do fire them and let them go, he's like, you never worked at the private sector. They expect results. <laughs> so obviously they've gotten comfortable not having to produce anything, yep. just getting yep. to run amok on their own. But again, just through simple dialogue, they get this across. It's not, it's not like beating you over the head with it. Mm-hmm. It's just like a conversation two people would be having. Mm-hmm. But then we go to the library and we meet Egon. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so good. and this was another one because he had all the cool gadgets mm-hmm. like everybody wanted to be Egon I, I well I liked Egon and I liked the fact that he had all the gadgets but when I was a kid I was like Bankman all the way mm-hmm. and uh yeah he's, he's the coolest but I love I love how we're introduced to him and then the conversation between the two 
well, between the three of them. I, I have to know, this is something that's bothered me since I'm a kid. When he says, remember, Egon, when you when we tried that thing where you were going to drill the hole through your head? And he, he says, that would have worked if you wouldn't have stopped, <laughs> stopped me. <laughs> like, I love that. I want to know what the details <laughs> of this was. It sounds so interesting, and I would love to see the dialogue between that. Egon's I love that it's just is incredible throughout. Yeah. Um, and Harold, Harold Ramis in the commentary was like, I made it a point. This is an acting thing, kids. I made it a point. Not to smile this whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But yeah, I, takes his I, job I love, seriously. I love him in this movie. He's yeah. great. But when they get down into the library and they see this thing for the first time, it's so classic. And again, all a lot of the the dialogue between them and all of this is is ad libbed. So they were just able to go off the cuff with a lot of it. And I was really surprised to hear how much of it was ad libbed. Yeah, I think no, that I most of that. Bill Murray's, uh, I think through almost almost all of his was all, all ad lib. He hardly went by the script at all. Well, th- there was a couple of scenes where they said he did stick to script, but it was because he knew the script worked. Just <laughs> when they're standing there, they see this apparition, and they're just staring, and Venkman's like, so what do we do? Because <laughs> he's not the ghost person. Right. Yeah. He's just like, you guys. He is so disinterested in what's going on. What's he could happening? care less what's he's, going on. He's right like now. he's like Bugs Bunny. This yeah. you know, yeah. this this supreme confidence and and never never getting I mean, on occasion he does freak out in this movie, which makes it all the funnier than he does. But for the most yeah. part, he is cool as a cucumber through life yeah. and death situations. And yeah, you He's Bugs Bunny. Let's talk about when this ghost changes because this is this is when as as I had to have been five when I saw this because there's no way I saw it in '84, but I I, it could have even been a couple years later. But this movie succeeds on a level like none other with comedy, drama, and like the horror aspect of it because this has got some scary fucking scenes in it, my Mm -hmm. friends. Oh God, yeah. When you're five years old watching this movie, <laughs> the the visuals in this are are they will strike a, really scary. a spot in your brain that will never go away as long as you live. Yeah, yeah, they're good we'll, scares. They're like authentically yeah. good scares. Yeah. And when she transforms into that hideous thing, I when I was a kid, oh my head was under a pillow. Like oh, I yeah, was I'm sure running I was out the door right there, running the mom up mom's skirt, wherever you got to be. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I need to be saved. But again, they play it so well. I love the slapstick, like, we're terrified. It's like, oh! <laughs> and they almost almost fall over each other. As yeah, very Three away. Stooges, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, I mean, I, I it's it's great that they're terrified the first time they see something. They're looking yeah. for it. They're looking for it. When they find it, it scares the shit out of them. They don't really know what to do. Yeah, and, and the conversations between him and, or between Venkman and Ray really kind of lead you into where they've been. You know, when they're walking up to the library, he's like, you've been seeing all these things all over the place or talking to all these people all over the place, but what have you seen? And then you finally get that moment of clarity for mm-hmm. all of them. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is a real thing. And then you can see after they go back and the dean fires them and Ray and, and Venkman are talking out, out in front of the school. They know that this is not going to be an easy thing to pull off, but Venkman's already got it cooking. Mm-hmm. So, and then they start pushing Again, things that you realize when you're an adult and watching movies that you saw and you're like, this is all just, oh, they become Ghostbusters. 
Right. The interest rate on the house. It's the highest interest rate in the history of the world. $95,000 in the first year alone. Like, it, yeah, it was yeah. 19% interest, and it was a third mortgage. And he didn't he even bargain with the guy. No, he convinced him to get a third mortgage on his house, yeah. which you should never do. You should never mortgage your home for a business. But he convinces him to do it. I forgot that scene until this watch. That was hysterical. Mm -hmm. Ray is completely underwater. Yep. <laughs> totally. Fun the Ghostbusters. But he he does it to himself in a sense too. I mean, Vic obviously he wants, got so it's yeah. not right. Like they're taking advantage of him, you know. But yeah. then they go they go to the firehouse and Egon's like. I think this place should be condemned. <laughs> and Ray's just like, let's move into this. Like, it a yeah, the, the, the part where he slides down the fire pole, he is like a kid in a candy store. That's yeah. all it yeah. took. He's like, he didn't care how much it cost. There's a freaking fire pole. Which I'm is fired. basically Dan Aykroyd filming this movie, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, it's him play himself. Yeah, That's he is, is thrilled to have this movie being made and he's enjoying every minute of it. And it comes out yeah. in his performance, you know? Yeah, apparently, and that's the other thing that really blows me away about this movie and how well it turned out is they worked on a script that was not complete. They were making things up as they went along. The cross the streams thing was completely on the spot in in the moment. Like, what are we going to do to get our guys out of this situation? So, well, I want to talk about all the rules that they establish in this movie because yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. But we got the firehouse. We get. Ecto one, or oh, no, then we get introduced to Dana Barrett. Yep, Sigourney Weaver. Her hair is amazing. Her hair is angelic in this film. Yeah, she's angelic. What are you talking? Not just she her hair. Angelic. Back there, yeah. I mean, yeah. you you see her from Alien, and then then you see her in that, and you're like, oh. <laughs> no. Yeah, she apparently and she apparently like wanted to be in this movie. She fought for the part, and I mean, I, I can't imagine anybody else in the role. I mean that's she's great. That's gonna go. It's gonna go she to say for anybody in this movie. But and you got thirty five years behind it now. But but yeah, she she's great. And the whole kitchen scene again. When you're watching this oh, as a kid, mm -hmm. it, that's it just, legit scary yeah. stuff. Like yeah, the eggs popping out, frying on the frying counter. On the counter. I mean, and again, all practical stuff they had to do in camera. They mm -hmm. couldn't yep. do any of the CGI stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, but then you open that open that fridge and Ooh. yeah, and dude again again as a kid like this thing was setting me up, but I was still on board at this point. And but then you you know she goes to the Ghostbusters. And, yeah. But before we meet Dana, we meet Lewis, <laughs> who is. He's a, a creeper. I, he is a super creeper. Well, I wanted to yeah. talk about this. <laughs> in today's can, world, I've have written it down one. at least twice in my notes because he is so creepy. He's a total stalker. Well, he is. And although some of these rules you could apply to Vankman as well in this movie, but he gets a little yes. pushy himself. But yes. I, I wanted to talk about Lewis because. You know, Rick Moranis is a treasure. I love him. Oh, God. Uh, yes. But for the first half of this movie, Lewis is kind of bad. Something I found <laughs> out today that I didn't didn't know is that part was originally written. That part was written for John Candy. Mm. Yeah. John oh. Candy turned it down. He wanted a bigger role in the film, but he, so well, he turned it down. 
I don't. They didn't mention that in the commentary. It could be you know, that could very well could be true. But they said that, that could have been one great. Of the actually, was, yeah. But he, he he didn't understand the part. He said every time that they would contact him or or he would he had the script. They said he didn't understand who the guy like how to play it. And he wanted to do it with uh, like a guy with a Dutch accent. Uh, yeah, German <laughs> like, accent. I read that. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah, <laughs> like it would have been something completely different from what Rick Moranis does. But I, but when I was with you guys when I first heard the name John Candy, and I am imagining John Candy in that role, somehow it doesn't seem as creepy. <laughs> like, he is more lovable. He's jolly. Yeah. Yeah. All I can think of in my head is John Candy's character from National Lampoons when they get to Wally World. Because he's kind of goofy, you know, the security guard. You know, I could see yeah. that. That's the only way I could possibly like see John Candy in that. Yeah, yeah. Either, either that or the Polka King guy from yeah. Home yeah. Alone. Yeah. Like, that could have been a cool little crossover. You know, he's this guy who lives in New York and plays polka music, and then later on he shows up in Home Alone. That could have been the there crossover you. that never happened. I mean, They're all in the same universe, man. So, but yeah, I, I thought that was a little fun fact that, who they wanted for the for the parts, especially that one, because. But Rick Moranis is great. I, mean, I think this is probably the first time I ever saw yeah. him, and then you got so much more after it that I love from him. And uh, I wrote down for the fridge scene, I want some of what she's taking, because she's seen all <laughs> kinds of stuff in that refrigerator. And that visual is still effective. That's one of the yeah. like oh, yeah. very much. It looks whack. It looks other dimensional. Mm -hmm. It looks crazy and and uh you know it's 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 uh it's still effective. It's it's trippy. Yeah. I like their ad uh that she sees on the television and yeah. and at the end mm -hmm. they say we're ready to believe you. Yeah. <laughs> but that was just a great tagline like you you got to think the people who wrote the <laughs> x-files had to borrow something from that you know what i mean but then she goes to the ghostbusters and the exchange between venkman and janine is Annie great any pots is, is so good amazing. i love her in this. I, yeah absolutely. i love her in the second one too yeah she's great in both of them i love i love her her the way she talks i love her just how snooty she is she's great it's a she's hilarious also... like portrayal of a woman that's had enough yeah of feeling like less than or disrespected but she's stuck in her situation so she's yeah. just yeah. begrudgingly like yeah yeah i'll do whatever kind of thing yeah and she's her also... her interactions with egon are fantastic yeah. that's what i was They're gonna done. say she's going for it yeah. so yeah. Hard yeah she's she's almost like stalking egon. him through the movie <laughs> yeah and they talk about that in the commentary. Harold Ramis talks about it a bit. And when they when they have their scenes together, he's like the romance that never was. And he's <laughs> like, we didn't go this route on the second movie. And I think they ended up in a better place. Because honestly, I like where she ends up in the second yeah, movie as yeah, well. Yeah. But, but um, but then they interview Dana, and they've got all this equipment on her, and they are. Again, just like the proton packs and, and the stuff that they're doing, they're flying by the seat of their pants. Mm -hmm. They have no idea what yeah. they're doing. And the exchange between Venkman and the guys about, I'm going to go check out Miss Barrett's apartment. You know, I'm going to go ch <laughs> and check her out. I'm going to go back to her apartment and check her out. I mean, yeah. I'm going to go and check out her apartment. Yeah. But again, all, all told, all through subtle like yeah. face movements and and everything, just not not beating you over the head with it, just normal conversation style dialogue. I, I just, again, lightning in a bottle. 
Absolutely. I, I, I got, I'm going to keep going back to it, but her and him in the apartment is great. It is. And oh. in the commentary, they talk about how good their chemistry was together, and apparently they get along really well. When they're talking and she says, you're more like a game show host, that was ad-libbed. <laughs> oh, on, that's on that. Sigourney Weaver's He does seem to kind of recoil from that a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And he's definitely got some musical talent. His piano skills are phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they hate this. <laughs> Let me go first. If anything happens, I want it to happen to me first. Yeah. He's so stoic when he comes in the door. And the little things with the piano and the, the little devices. Like, the little pump I have no thing. idea. Oh and yeah. Apparently this apparently it's a real thing. It's one of those things that Dan Aykroyd had researched and they got to choose wow. what equipment they wanted to use for stuff. Well, again, back to the equipment. They are exterminators. They're wearing exterminator uniforms. They've yeah. got little exterminators, you know, squirters that they're squirting <laughs> around the apartment. I mean that that's it's just amazing. They're they're ghost exterminators. Yeah. And uh how they're embellishing something like that. Yeah, it's yeah. just, but it just looks so damn cool, like in the uniform. I, I'm jumping in it, but I love all their little machines yeah. and, and stuff that look completely pointless, and they basically are. <laughs> yeah. Not all of them, but. Yeah. There was one thing I noticed when they're in the apartment and they're walking around, they get into the kitchen showing the eggs. And I don't think I ever even paid attention to this for years. Stay puffed? The mm-hmm. freaking stay puffed marshmallow sitting right on the yeah. counter. The and only gone. the only existence of it before I mean yes it's the only established right because that's just in the move that's from the movie right so yep yeah yeah it's, it feels a little unestablished like we should have seen Ray eating earlier or something, or something around New Doesn't York it? and there is there is a scene where there's a billboard there's a Stay Puft billboard okay. later I noticed it today maybe I missed the um, billboard but I only saw the but, bag and I remember being a kid wondering like is this a real yeah. thing or is it just from the movie, you know? And that's something that was lost on me as a kid too. I, I didn't really pick, pick up on it until recently. And then yeah. they, they started making Stay Puft marshmallows yeah. from this movie. It like kickstarted a marshmallow brand. That's how amazing this movie is. So, you know, it does get confusing because you see it at the story. You're like, is that around before the movie? Yeah. Anyway. I remember as a kid thinking that this came out of nowhere and not really understanding why, right. what this thing was or why it was. But, uh, but now... I think it had something to do with how, how again, subtlety, how subtle they were with it. Because there's just that little bag of marshmallows and a billboard later. That's really all they do to establish mm-hmm. it. Yeah. But you, as a kid, you're not paying attention to all that background stuff. Right. Yeah, it's it's certainly something you can see as an adult, but I missed it as a kid. I When he shows up, totally again, I'm like, what is this guy? I don't know who this is. Yeah. yeah. It was still amazing, but I didn't fully understand and, it. And that's probably why these movies like this are, are are able to be so great so many years later is they establish this thing for you at a young age when you're not fully developed. And then when you get to a point where you've lived a little bit and you've experienced life and then you start to see the subtle things they throw in that you didn't catch as a kid because you weren't that old. Yeah. Right. So You hadn't lived those moments yet. And you're like, oh, right. yeah. I've and totally this is a family there. classic for that reason. Yep. It appeals to pretty much all ages. And it's got a couple of weird sexual things that, you know, will probably go into rants. We'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. We'll shortly. To that. <laughs> but uh, next they get their first job. Yeah. I love the At first the call. I'm excited. Yeah. The we music kicks in. One. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that Janine, and the fact that Janine is excited right. about it. Even Janine. Another... And it, yeah, you're right. It, it, 
her her excitement it's all that music hits they're going ecto ones yeah it's amazing yeah yeah that was a pretty quick turnaround for uh ray bringing in ecto one in the condition (laughs) was in and the next thing you know rolling out a complete rebuild all white paint gob Mm -hmm. all the fancy science stuff all over like like, whoa dude that guy's a really good uh he's in the wrong line of work all he does is work yeah Yeah, he's tinkering through the whole movie it seems and again, it's it's one of those things like the firehouse and the third mortgage on the house. He gets the car and all this shit's wrong with it. Oh, it's, it was only 4800 yeah. in Bankman's <laughs> face when he says that. But it's like the unpopular girl in movies who gets made over. Like Ecto-1 is the makeover. Yeah. And it's brilliant. Yeah. Again, cobbled together. It's a hearse. Uh, yeah. You know, it's got all these like spare parts, you know, taped to it. Um, and it's perfect because it holds all their proton packs. They slide out on a, on a little it's great. rail, and, and it's it's functional. It's, it's functional it's design. The it's the the coffin rail. Yeah, <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, it's the coffin. Yeah, yeah, I never even thought about that. I yeah, the, the thing that holds the proton packs. Yeah, when he slides it out, that's how they slide the caskets yeah, out of the back that makes of our sense. Yeah. I just thought it was something they fashioned to hold their stuff. Which, nah. you know, and then of course the, the, you know, it's a hearse that ties back to death and, you know, ghosts yeah. and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's just, it, it's everything about it is perfect. <laughs> and then it, and then it becomes one of the most iconic cars in movie history that yep. people, everybody know Ecto one mm-hmm. anywhere you go. And, you know, people have made reproductions of it. And I think the original one's been sold or a couple of times, like on Barrett's auto auctions and stuff like that. But I mean, you know that as quick as you know the DeLorean or you know the Knight Rider car, Ecto One's right up there. Absolutely, you, you know yeah. what that is mm-hmm. immediately. Yeah, I definitely, I, I definitely wanted to. I was like, Mom, you need to get a station wagon so we can do this. <laughs> so this, this movie plays into my childhood so much. When I where I lived at the time when we saw this, I had some neighbors, Den and Daniel, which Den. Den might actually listen to the podcast. So, Den, if you are listening, <laughs> what's up, man? But, uh, you know, we, when the, you know, we're kind of tying into after the movie a little bit, but when the real Ghostbusters came out and like the proton packs and everything were out, I ended up getting one. And we were the three kids running around our, our little neighborhood and the Ghostbusters stuff, Damn. acting like we were busting ghosts. So, amazing. It, it was, again, one of those times like this, this, where I was at in, in life will always be tied to this movie, you know, at, at five years old or whatever it was. Yeah. And, and, you know, when you're playing, you're using all these rules that are established in this scene, right? Now, first call. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, uh, yeah. You know, the, we, we learn how the, the packs work. We learn how the trap works. We learn, you know, they're, they're, they're basically lassos. They're like an energy lasso. Yeah. And you know you can't cross the streams. They sell you know all this stuff. I love this whole sequence with Slimer. Uh, Slimer is amazing. I, I mean, this is the first time we see the ghost, the real Ghostbusters action, catching the ghost. Yeah. They, you know, um, and I, Ivan Reitman was saying in the commentary, he said when they three walk in that door of that hotel, that's when he wanted like the applause moment. And he said, when they showed this and they came through the door, they got the applause on it. And he's like, I, I think I did it. Well deserved. Yeah, well deserved. But I love when they walk in the door, Venkman says, anybody seen a ghost? And he 
catches eyes with the girl in the lobby. Yeah. And it, you her. can watch them like follow that through the entire scene. And she's got this look of disgust on her face as she's walking by them. And he's just staring. It. He's like looking at her. And then the concierge guy comes up and like startles him. The the acting in this whole scene is is so great. I love the exchange with the old man at the elevator. It's like, who are you guys? We're exterminators. Says somebody saw a cockroach up on twelve. <laughs> if you watch, if you watch Dan Aykroyd in that scene, he is about to lose it. Oh He's yeah, so slapstick. Yeah, like through this whole sequence. But when when that old man, when Venkman and the old man are having that conversation, you can see it on Bank or on uh, Dan Aykroyd's <laughs> face, like he's about to start laughing, and mm-hmm. he like barely gets through the scene. <laughs> There's a few times he does that in the movie. Well, you yeah. can tell they all like each other and they all like to work together. Yeah. You know, and yeah. that just comes out like they're, you, they all, you know, the chemistry is just nuts. They're talking about the proton packs and how they weighed like 30 pounds with all the real equipment on them. And then they had plastic ones they would wear for stunts. And Ivan Reitman says something to Harold Ramis. He's like, You never complained. You never complained about it. He's like, No, I never did. Someone did. <laughs> we, won't, we won't say who. <laughs> it's like, oh man, yeah. Bill Murray. <laughs> yeah, he's a little notorious for being difficult to work with at times. But he—he's—he he particularly said, back this then. Was, well, this was at a time when they had all worked together a lot, and I think Harold mm-hmm. Ramis had just did Stripes with him, with Bill right. Murray, yeah. and Meatball. I think Harold Ramis directed Meatballs. Yeah. So they had all worked together, so they had a good working relationship. But yeah, they—you know. Bill Murray was definitely the, the princess on the set. Yeah. Speaking of the proton packs, they all have to have radiation poisoning, right? Like, they <laughs> well, basically yeah. said they're carrying an unlicensed nuclear accelerator, accelerator yeah. Well, yeah, and on their backs. I also back to the design of it when they they all the little knobs and switches and they flip 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 and they it, and that sound it makes when it fires up like, yep and they, they about shit themselves because it's so, and yeah. I, I mean i do want to talk about the the radiation and their building and if it was an environmental uh yeah. because it, we'll get to that but they catch they catch their first ghost here and yeah. the trap the whole concept of the the lasso and the trap and you gotta pull it down to the trap the trap catches it and you put it in the tank incredible i mean yeah yeah it's great it's so creative and, well, just, and it, you know you can't kill just, a ghost yeah and well just watching them <laughs> learn to use this equipment again making it up as they go never t- never tested it before they went out on their first job yeah. right yeah. and it's it's great you know they have the exchange with the maid in the hallway and then they we should split up oh yeah we could do more Get damage more that way <laughs> <laughs> Which is exactly what they do. Yeah, they but wreck watch, this this hotel or yes. whatever it is. But watching each individual go their own path. Yeah. And and Harold Ramis with the guy in the hallway and he just like touches him. He's scanning him <laughs> just to make sure he's really presses him. <laughs> yeah. And then a great sequence uh, of just giving uh, us little moments with these characters, you know. And D- Dan Aykroyd does more with a cigarette in this scene. How does he get his anybody's to his lip? I know, like <laughs> that long at that, it's like stuck there. It stood out to me as a kid. I remember when we were playing Ghostbusters and stuff. Somebody had a candy cigarette and had to let it stick out of their mouth. Like it's an iconic <laughs> image from cinema. Like him yeah. with the yeah. cigarette about to fall out of his mouth. It's just there's so many of those in this movie that you know could be 
you know, a poster, you know, just classic cinematic mm-hmm. moments. But you're just like, wow, that is just epic, you know. It's crazy. And again, their reaction to all this stuff makes it makes it more realistic too, because again, like you get to Bill Murray. <laughs> yeah, I mean you get you get to Bill Murray and he he genuinely looks like what the fuck am I supposed to do right now? Yeah. He has that look on his face. They all play it so well. Yeah. And yeah. uh I love Slimer. And I, I oh, think yeah. I love Slimer even more from the cartoon because in oh, the cartoon, cartoon he, yeah. Yeah. he joins the team and he's like yeah. a lovable sidekick. And yeah. I and think he's, from he's actually that, got a dialogue and stuff. Yeah. 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 So like now I, I looking back like, at the movie, I, I love, yeah, I've transferred yeah. the love from the cartoon on this. I just love Slimer. Yeah. Uh, anytime he's on screen is, is good. Yeah. And who didn't want slime? You know, later when the toys come out, you know, yeah. you see vacuuming get slimed. All of us wanted some slime. And you could buy the slime, right? You could buy yeah. slime. Yeah. Yep. Same you with could. Ninja Turtles, you could get the slime. I feel so funky. <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, Great line. Apparently, the part of Slimer was like inspired by John Belushi. Yeah. Aww. It was supposed to be modeled after him. And, yeah. Oh, just and, like, uh, and the gluttony and glutton slob. Yeah. 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 Well, you see him, he's eating, and then he, what he's in the uh, banquet hall, he's, you know, drinking, and that's one thing he was known for is yep. throwing back the booze. And But it was, I mean, it was all out of love from Dana Edward. Yeah, I mean, of course. Was, well, yeah. they did Blues that, Brothers together. Those guys were yeah. brothers, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, he lost. And again, I mean, that, that was, it was originally, it wasn't, I don't think Harold Ramis was supposed to be in this originally. No, I, think I don't it think was he supposed was. to be John Belushi. Yeah. John Belushi but, was going to be Econ? No, he was going to be the Bakeman character. Oh, okay. Well, it That's was. It was a. I mean, again, the script was different when 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 okay. he, they were writing it, and he had intended for it to be for Belushi, and it was completely different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, and I do believe that uh, I read that somewhere. Like we call him Slimer, but I think everybody called him Onion Head. <laughs> that was his original name because they said that the props smelled so bad for the whoever had to be inside of it. They said it was just like rotten onions or something. And mm. so they just started calling it Onion Head forever made it. And I'm like, well, I think I like Slimer better. I think it fits. And, you know, you were talking about the rules and establishing, establishing them as they go along. It's just they're about to, like try to catch their first ghost and it's like oh oh by the way i forgot <laughs> yeah. to tell you <laughs> don't cross the streams don't cross the streams it would be very bad so what do you mean by like, bad <laughs> <laughs> i'm fuzzy on what's good and bad <laughs> <laughs> like that you didn't tell us before now and it's also very bad okay no problem and i love when egon's trying to shoot slimer and he like it's like a a grabbing a bull by the horn like he has no idea what like he's just holding on to that proton pack right. like it's like a fire hose. out half the bar <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's gone yeah, it's like a fire hose he can barely hold on to it it's like shooting everywhere I, I think he turns it down after that right or he adjusts something but yeah i mean they these packs are dangerous like really dangerous yeah. and they are they are being very reckless with these things mm-hmm. these nuclear bombs on their backs yeah. Uh, poor chandelier. To catch a ghost that's just eating like leftover food. <laughs> right. Just saying. And, and so they, you know, they have a successful trial of their equipment and they're like, hey, we can actually do this. Again, when they're back with the concierge, they got the ghost and they're telling them about how much they owe. 
Again, you watch Harold <laughs> Ramis, and he's, yeah, with the, you know, with the fingers. It's going to be four big ones. Again, making it up as they go, <laughs> yeah. but again, subtle. So yeah. damn subtle about it. But it makes you laugh when you when you catch it, you know? Yeah. Oh, we could put it back. <laughs> yeah, we can put it right back in there. Oh, hey, one more thing from the banquet, just as a childhood moment. I don't know if any of you guys ever did this. All right, you know when they're trying to clear out the tables and stuff to catch Slimer? Mm-hmm. And Bateman does a thing where he says, oh, I've always wanted to do this. And he pulls right. and he says, and the flowers are still sticking. Now, how many yeah. times did any of you try to actually do that? Like pull the tablecloth off so everything stays on the table because you saw it. And that I always wanted to. Yeah. I oh, I've to. tried and it does not work that well. It's something special. But you mean we episode definitely- three. Jason always tries something. Yes, we are definitely on a roll. There's going to be a segment. <laughs> what did Jason try to do out of the movie we're watching Dude, today? I told you, grew up here in nowhere. We have to find things to keep ourselves entertained. You know, didn't have a lot of money. And like, hey, mom's not home. Let's set stuff up on the table and try to pull out a sheet from under. <laughs> oh, no, it don't work. It goes flying across the room. You know, and everybody. Difference is, I would know that my mom would have beat my ass if I would have done something like that. That's why I said we did it when mom was at home, and then still. Where's that sheet at? Um, <laughs> sorry. But I love when he does it. And the flowers are still standing. <laughs> Everything else is wiped out on the table. It's totally mm-hmm. trashed. All right, we're carrying on now. <laughs> and the practicality of having to move the table so that they could set the trap down. Yeah. It's that extra detail of, of like, you know, it's not just some trap you use and it has a thing. You got to move a thing, and you got to slide it out, and it's just—it's just extra detail. You can uh, actually d- double the bill that they gave them because I'm sure they did five grand worth of damage to this hotel that they're going to have to pay for. Well, I mean, that more. would mean they didn't get paid, <laughs> right? <laughs> so. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, oh, they did like yeah, tens of thousands of dollars. Dude, that bar was totally gone. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. probably antique or something. You know, it's it's definitely well over. What there. I'm saying is, if you're the hotel owner or or Major D or whatever, he's like, oh, well, I got to pay you five grand and I got to pay for the 10 grand of shit that you just demolished. Yeah. I mean, if, you know, somebody's going to open a ghost insurance company in this universe, <laughs> it'll probably be a fake man. He'd be double dipping. <laughs> I don't know. That seems like a good job for Rick Moranis. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ghost yeah. insurance. Yeah. But from that point on, it seems like a, a ghost are everywhere. Yep, yeah, they're we get on a roll. 80s movie montage of collecting ghosts. With Casey Kasem and with Casey Kasem. Mm-hmm. And, oh, man. Uh, Larry King. Is it Larry King or is it somebody pretending no, to be? No, it's Larry? it is Larry King. And that's his first uh, movie role was that. I was wondering if that was actually him or not. It is David Larry Letterman, right? Yeah, it's his huh? very is David first Letterman on there too. No, Letterman no, not David Letterman. No. Just Larry King and uh Casey K- and who didn't that's listen to Casey Kasem back oh, then? Yeah. Every right. freaking weekend. There were the like three channels and you know. He was on one of them. Everybody listened to Casey Kasem back then. Yeah. Another fun fact is Casey Kasem's wife is the blonde that Lewis is dancing with at his party. Aw. Wow. 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 Go Casey Kasem. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he was even old then. Yeah. He was was like Dick Clark. They were always (laughs) old. Always old. Always old, man. But so now they're in this rhythm where they have a lot of calls. They're overworked. They're hardly sleeping. And well, well get, Ray has another problem sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. One of the, you know, more gratuitous uh, sexual implications in the movie. Mm-hmm. 
Ray gets full on blown <laughs> by a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> and he's wearing this weird admiral's jacket. Like this is a the weirdest dream. Because it is a dream. You see, like yeah. he wake he's tossing and turning with everybody else, but my god, like they just kind of went there. It, 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 it is a dream. It is a dream, but Fun fact. Yeah. <laughs> the girl. Josh with the fun facts. You got a lot of them. The, um, the sequence that they shot that for was actually not a dream sequence. There was a whole sequence where they were in this place that they were staying, and that wasn't supposed to be a dream sequence. It was supposed uh, to be something that actually happened, but they ended up cutting it. So it is a dream sequence as it's shot or as it's portrayed in the movie, but it wasn't shot that way. Gotcha. Well, and you can understand why he had this dream in 1984, because I believe the, the girl that played the ghost was a playmate from like 1981. So it'd be honest that he would have dreams about that. I'm pretty sure he was an avid reader of Playboy back then. Um, well, or, you know, we can just look at the fact that Ray was sexually assaulted. And just because yes. he's a man doesn't mean he's into it, you guys. Right. Yeah, Men can be on. sexually assaulted have too, too by ghosts. I don't know. If you look at his face, I think you can make an argument. Yes, you could. I think he's, I think he's good. <laughs> he was not protesting. And then, and then because of them working so hard, we're we're introduced to our final Ghostbuster. Yes, yeah. Winston. Winston. Winston Zeddemore. He's hired. I always love Winston. They don't... The the, I the every like man, Winston. you know. Uh, He's the guy that's standing there going, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> like, yeah. Everyone else yeah. is so used to everything. He's yeah, the one going, asking, uh, do you guys, believe in this? this? Is not normal, you know? Yeah, they're like, do you believe in this? Do you believe in this? He says, I don't care as long as there's a steady paycheck in it. I don't care. <laughs> I believe anything you say. <laughs> but that was Ivan Reitman. And like when the, they were talking about that in the commentary, that was the point was Winston was supposed to be us, like just coming into this and not knowing anything about it and Get, you know, being the the layman's terms for everything. Yeah, that's how the conversation about the Twinkie came. <laughs> was was because it's the it's the it's the conversation between them and and uh, Winston. Yeah. Well, is the tank? I mean, talking about their their packs being very dangerous, possibly mm -hmm. exploding nuclear explosions and shooting like you know burning lasers. Mm -hmm. Their their tank is like less safe than, you know, um, I, I, the, the only thing you have to do to make this tank explode is to pull a switch. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, turn the power and off. <laughs> when Winston comes on board, they're already talking about it getting overloaded. Yeah, yeah they, they don't, what is their plan? They 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 are crazy, they reckless. They this, don't whole, have a plan. They, this thing is filling up and massively filling. Yeah. And it, Again, it's played. It's it's written and played so well that that's when they introduce us to Will. Will what's his pe peck? Peck. Peck. Wilson Peck. I forget what his first From name the is. From the EPA. Yeah. Um. He's Richard Atherton that we'll see again later in Die Hard. Movie. He, he he's is in everything he's in. He plays a dick in every. Yeah. He, and he does it well because I hate his guts in everything I see him in. Mm -hmm. And I, you know what? I I couldn't help but think I'm like if I was an actor, this is who I'd play. This is where I'd be pitching. <laughs> and I just fit right in there, like just like, ugh, no one likes this guy. He didn't like he didn't like this part either because everybody was stopping him on the street and yelling at him and calling him dickless. Dickless. <laughs> yes, it is true. This man has no dick. <laughs> 
So he, he was not very happy with his portrayal in this movie. <laughs> According to Ivan Reitman, anyway. But, um, so Vankman meets back up, meets back up with, um, Dana, Dana Barrett. Yep. Gives her some background info on who's follows Zool through is. on his promise that he was going to solve her problem. Yep. While also really going for it and trying to get her to go on a date with him. Mm-hmm. And it's funny to listen to Ivan Reitman talk about the scene because he's like, man. Uh, Bill Murray was putting it on so hard here. He looks, he looks so handsome in this scene. It's like Ivan, <laughs> but they they complimented Sigourney Weaver on how she looked in it as well. But they were also talking about the guy that she's with, the other guy from the the concert or the band, and they're like making these assumptions that he's the guy that she married and had Oscar with for the sequel. Oh, but hmm. and I could see that. Yeah. Maybe. Because yeah, Oscar is yeah. blonde, and the guy was a little dirty blonde, I think. Yeah, maybe he's one of the greatest musicians in the world. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> I hope you're feeling better, sir. You're still very pale, though. <laughs> <laughs> and then he gets the date with her. Yeah. And I love the part where he's—they've parted ways, and he's walking away. And he starts turning around in a circle, imitating the uh, yes. yeah. who's off to the side. Amazing. Just a little touch that ad libbed a beautiful film moment like such a film filmy film thing to do it's just yeah it's amazing it's it's why film is great like moments like that that just apparently the sound guys were not very happy about that scene though because they're in new york and that fountain's going and the sound guys were like can we turn the fountain off and they're like nope can't turn the fountain off so they they were pissed having to work around all Mm -hmm. of that oh yeah i thought about that it's funny so where where does it go from here? So here Dana goes back to her apartment. And we have another great scare. Yeah. Oh, from yes. Lewis, the creeper, who's uh, <laughs> stalking her. As yeah, she that, comes that's home. pretty scary too. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> even even in a party, he hears her coming down the yeah, hall. Yeah, leaves his party to uh bug her. Yeah. So and I would say that it's anybody in the hallway. Because no. Vankman Vankman comes into the hallway and he comes out to see him, but he's coming out of Dana's apartment. Yes. So he's constantly just listening for her door. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> this guy got the camera he... in there or something? What's going on? Well the and in the first part when we meet when we meet Lewis, he talks about going out on the ledge and trying to get in to turn her TV da- down. Or oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Super creeper. Yeah. yeah. Super creeper. And, and then I, I mean, for all I we know, my this TV whole up party is, too. Yeah. <laughs> for all I know, this party is just simply a, an effort to try to get her over. Well, he did invite clients so he could expense it. Yeah, that's right. So he could expense it's it. It's just a the- scheme to get her to come over. Very yeah. smart yeah. financial advice right there. Yeah. But when we're going... To, to the scene there's a huge shot the bad shot you know with the top of the building filled yeah. in oh yeah um and it looks all creepy but and this is where you get the close-up of the dog statues mm-hmm. right. and their claws start coming through coming the, alive and Amazing. then the eye is glowing Amazing. Yep. it's fantastic as scary as hell scarring the, yeah, the, but, the the rock crumbling around and, and it, it emerging from underneath the gargoyle or whatever. It is so mm-hmm. cool. Just so cool. Yep. 
and you don't even see it all then. Like yeah. they're still saving it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And but what I was thinking watching this again was, did nobody notice that there was an altar on top of this building? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of right yeah. out in the open. It's, yeah, it's, it's there in your face. Like yeah. if somebody's going to the roof to smoke a cigarette, no, they're not like, oh yeah, this cool bench. Oh, it's, it's an a picnic altar. table. Well, this building was designed. You know, we, yes. we learned. I don't. Rem- I didn't remember this from prior watches, but the whole thing was designed to be like a <laughs> amplifier for this yeah. it, energy or whatever. Yeah, yep. So I, I wonder if management is maybe uh, descendants of of the people Ooh, who set that up. Maybe they, maybe they keep That's people off that area. You know? Well, Ivan Reitman said when they were filming things, you'll notice they focus on statues throughout the city and all the little gargoyle sort of stuff throughout New York. They were kind of trying to insert all that to lead you to where they were going to go. Mm-hmm. You get a shot of it earlier, like a... Yeah, uh, it's like a, a matte painting or a mm-hmm. yeah, it's know, matte definitely painting insert. Shot. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So and and the scare in her apartment with the door, the the rubber, you know, like the mm. the stretchy yes. door is incredible. That one's really creepy. And it gets you pulled into this door, and then those hands pop out. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's dude. scary, dude. Dude, as a kid, the like she's, yeah. the fact she's sitting in the chair, and you we're seeing lights and stuff happening behind the door but she still ain't even seen it yet and you're like uh hello door door (laughs) you're a kid and you're looking at your mom door door (laughs) and they talked about when they shot this scene apparently Sigourney Weaver was really into it really liked shooting all of this at this time and they were wondering you know what is it about this scene that makes it work and they're like you know you got the culmination of her coming in being vulnerable, taking clothes off. She's mm-hmm. talking to her mom yeah. on the phone, yeah. like, yeah. I'm fine, mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll Setting call you next tone. week. Yeah. Got Absolutely. a date with a Ghostbuster. And all of a sudden, out of the corner of your eye, you see this. And it's, it, it's again, played so well. But yeah, so far we've had all you know, the scary ghost at the beginning. We've had this dog demon bust out of some shit on the top of the building that's scary as hell. Now you got this with arms coming up out of the chair, through the bottom, grabbing hold of her, and mm-hmm. she comes gets sucked yeah. into the kitchen. Again, all this stuff as a kid, I'm on board. I'm watching. I'm watching. I'm watching. But we haven't gotten to the point yet. We'll get there. We're almost there. I don't know. But I was still on board as we as we're going through this. Well, the, like you say, the, the 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 writing of the scene is so well uh, put together. Like you say, when she drops her guard, and then we're just getting mm-hmm. you know in the building of suspense, the misdirection, and then the effects work are is amazing. All that stuff. Yeah. And this, um, you know, Richard Unlin, Boss Film Company, uh, did the effects uh, yeah. coming off Poltergeist, you know, and yeah. all that feels. And you can see, you can you can see, see that, that right? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, very much. Anytime, there, you know, the, the, the library, the, certain, some of these shots are just, they're horror. They're, they're, mm-hmm. they're yeah. little mini horror segments. And they're yep. great. Like, they're great horror. Just sandwiched yeah. neatly inside this. I think that's how they awesome get you. Comedy, you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah, that's how they get you because you're you're laughing, you're getting to know these characters. These are childlike, grown men like this, and then all of a sudden, bam! Yeah. I'm scared shitless for the next you know three minutes because something demon dog whatever ghost thing, and then it goes right back to all right. Let's go back to some comic relief and a little yeah. bit of seriousness. Right, take it back so down. Good. Take it back up. Take it back down. Yeah. Yeah. Up, down, up, down. They're so good at setting you up and making you drop your guard mm-hmm. before they really 
scare the shit out of you. Yep. You know, I think they really had that in mind coming, you know, from the kids that were going to watch this. And even the fact that this is so imprinted on me as a kid and watching it now and realizing just how much of a kid's movie it is not. No. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it is not a kid's movie <laughs> by any means. Not a little but, kid anyway, yeah. Right. So, you know, we go from there to them driving through New York and talking about end of times and but you've also got um the other demon dog is in lewis's apartment all right i wanted to talk about the apartment scene do you have something to say no i just think you skipped it i did skip it and i'm glad you brought it up he skipped it he's still you know traumatized as a child that's why he skipped it did anyone (laughs) notice that from the moment you enter his apartment when they're talking about the advil or whatever that's one tracking shot all the way around. Yeah, in I one did not take. notice that. That's that's pretty. That's pretty. Cool. From the moment they're in the in the she's in the refrigerator, he's in the refrigerator. He hands her the pills and he goes around the room to the dancing with Casey Kasem's wife, introducing Ted and Annette, all the way to where they get to where he throws the coats in the closet is one take. Nice. That's amazing. And they were like, and they and it, props to Rick Moranis for for that because yeah, and he was make he was making up a lot of that dialogue. Yeah. He was just shooting off at the shooting off at the mouth. Yeah. He said um, Harold Ramis was saying that he helped him with what where to go with some of it, but the majority of it was all Rick Moranis just playing the scene. It's good stuff. Like again, where the hell is this guy? He did so much good stuff in the eighties and nineties. I can understand why he left, but he's so great in the stuff that he was in. And again, like I said earlier when we were talking the demon dog laying in the middle of the bed or in the closet, you know, mm-hmm. it's still mm-hmm. a terrifying image in my head. You know, after you watch it, you open your bedroom door. Yeah. In a dark room, or anything in there. Yeah. <laughs> you don't see any red glowing eyes, but it still, it looks so realistic. Like, Oh, there's actually a real demon dog in this bed. And the way they do that gives you like sets it up for the scale of it too. Mm-hmm. Because when he throws the coats and it's taking up the entire bed, mm-hmm. that's where it gives you just how big this damn thing really mm-hmm. is. And what it could do if it got hold of you, you know? Yeah, and even though the the effects of it running, like busting out of the um, apartment, aren't great, chasing the, the, what there, they had there to are do still some time. like pras- practical stuff mixed with that, like where the wall yeah. breaks and that kind of stuff. That stuff's great because mm-hmm. it really does make something feel there, you know? Uh, yeah, you've got some practical things breaking and you know whatever. Um, and and this is where. Rick Moranis is begging on the outside of the restaurant, which is like a, <laughs> such a purely comedic moment where people just look at him and just go back to eating. Yeah. Tavern on the green. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, New Yorkers that's, are so self-involved. That yeah. They that's don't what even... I, yeah. That was, I wrote that down and it's like, yeah, it sounds like a, a New York uh, moment for there. Like guy screaming for, you know, bloody murder outside. Oh, I'm gonna get back to eating my steak over here. <laughs> yeah. be Ivan fine. Reitman and, and Harold Ramis say that in the commentary too. They're like, "That's the New York moment right there." I was also shocked to find out how much of this was not shot in New York. Huh. A lot of it was done in Los Angeles on sound stages. Yeah. Well, anything on the roof, uh, anything on any roof or inside, yeah. I guess could be. Done yeah, well, that way. we're getting to that, but yeah, the 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 last act of this movie definitely takes place on a sound stage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Watching yeah. it in high def nowadays. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, but then you get Vankman at Dana's apartment. Yep. Again, something's a little different with Dana. Did you do something to your hair? <laughs> and I 
<laughs> I love when he goes in and he says, what happened here? And the guy's like, oh, some moron brought a Jaguar to a party and it went berserk. Jaguar. <laughs> 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 And and when the when 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 Rick Moranis runs out before all of that, he's screaming and yelling, and the guy's like, "He's got a bear in his apartment." <laughs> <laughs> but you get Vankman up, sees the all this damage, and then knocks on the door. And are you the keymaster? <laughs> this is where if you didn't love Sigourney Weaver in this movie, oh, you did oh. now. Uh, yeah, she looks amazing in this glittery dress with the hair completely uh just froed as much as possible mm-hmm. uh and she's gozer right yeah and yeah. i oh, could never no, keep no. this she's no, 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 no. she's, she's a gate she's zool she's yeah, zool. Yeah, the yeah. gatekeeper she's yeah. Zool. yeah she's yeah. Zool the gatekeeper yeah okay yeah. i could never like keep this straight as a kid did you guys did you guys know the lore and everything and pay attention to that because i was like i knew the gatekeeper I, and the key master but like all yeah. the gozer zool stuff and I can't even remember it now. I had to write it down. Vince so Clortho. you've got you've got <laughs> Vince Clortho, Keymaster of Gozer. Yeah, <laughs> so good, dude. Oh, so good. But that's that's Rick Moranis, and then you got Dana is the keymaster or the Zool. See, I'm already mixing it. Zool, the gatekeeper. Keeper. So um, Gozer is the god. Is the, the woman right? Gozer's the, the, the traveler. Yeah. Well, and, and she's well, and. Stay puffed. I mean, that's the form yeah. that they choose. Oh, right. but yeah. we're, we're jumping ahead. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> Bankman, she opens the door. Are you the key master? I don't, or what, did, what does he say? He's like, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> she just slams the door in his face. He looks through the keyhole. The comedy in this is so great. And she opens the door again. Yes. I'm a friend of his. He asked me to meet him here. (laughs) (laughs) Just to get in the door. Just smooth, man. Just later. Yeah. She's uh, not subtle in what she's looking for. If there's anything. But is it it a she? So it, right. I get the yeah. I get the impression he says like take this this form take this body or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel right. like she's well, possessed by what seems to be a like a male demon that is yeah. like happy to you know yeah. hand off her her physical form. Yeah, does she refer yeah. to him as a lesser being or something? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> take this she form, is. you lesser being or something. And at the same time, we've got we've got Peck raiding the. The fire, yeah. Um, it, got a few things going on. Yeah, well, they've got and they've got they've got Rick Moranis in the firehouse as well because the. Wait, but you skipped. Oh right, yeah, we did skip your, your part. Like after Rick Moranis is, you know, possessed, trying to get the attention of the people in the restaurant. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. He okay. does become right. possessed by Vince Clortho. So, yeah, so you've got Vince Clortho running around Central Park, Central Park West, and he comes up to the the horse and carriage, right? Mm-hmm. So again, I'm down with everything I've seen so far. I'm hanging with this movie, right? This is five year old Josh, and it comes to this scene. He's talking to this horse, and the guy's like, "Hey, buddy." He pulls the carriage. I make the deals. You want to ride? And his eyes light up and he growls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Five-year-old Josh was like, fuck this shit. I turned it off <laughs> and I did not watch the rest of this movie for probably another month. Wow. Like, I was da- I was down with the floating in the bed, which we skipped. We'll get back to. I was down with the dog. I was down with 
all this all this shit I'd seen so far, but Rick Moranis with glowing eyes and growling, fuck this, I'm out of here. That growl is pretty deep. It's like a it's like a lion's growl or something. It's like mm-hmm. yeah. and I le- and I legit did not go back and watch the rest of this movie. I think I had to rent the movie again <laughs> before I got to finish the movie because I would not watch it from that point forward. Wow. It's funny how certain images trigger you when you're little, you know? Yeah. Uh, Scarlett, my daughter, watched has watched, you know, a lot of scarier films for she's fourteen now, but mm-hmm. you know, she's watched a lot of horror films and stuff like that. Um, but one thing that got her when she was a little kid was uh this goosebumps poor kids episode that was had mm-hmm. this uh kind of a possessed doll yeah and that just freaked her out and you know it just like scarred her forever you know mm-hmm. yeah just the littlest things that make the impressions on you but I, it's again it's so funny that i got through the majority of this movie and that's what what set me on mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. just the dude with glowing eyes and, and we'd already seen at that point had sigourney weaver she'd been doing the growling but her eyes hadn't lit up and I, I, it had to have been something with that combination of the eyes lighting up and the growl that just set me off. And I was like, nope, I'm done. I don't want to watch this anymore. So yeah. for a good month, I had no idea how Ghostbusters ended. <laughs> I think I'd read somewhere, but like uh, going back to the Dana thing, when she's in the bed, when she does the demonic voice, I heard or I read that that's Ivan Reitman. Yeah. He recorded he that. Commentary. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, whoa, that's pretty cool. And and the um, the floating thing was was not... It was all in camera. Um, She had a belt attached around her waist, like a steel belt, and they lifted her up off the bed through that, and all of the gear that was lifting her up was hidden in the drapes in the Mm. apartment. Yeah, It looks so good. You can't see a wire. Yeah, and they said that was an important part of the scene, and that's, again, why some of the movie magic of those days makes these movies so great is because there's still actors working with actors on camera. It's not having to look at a tennis ball and having to imagine mm-hmm. something. He was able to actually get underneath her and look up at her face in order to do. Yeah. That I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of a, a common stage magic trick is the levitating yeah. woman, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a great effect and gives you exorcist vibes and, you know, uh, it's 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 great. It's a great moment. And, I, and, and, and I love how he doesn't take advantage of, <laughs> thankfully, right. like you don't yeah. know because <laughs> he's been after it all the time. He thankfully has some decency to like, yeah, the dialogue. Take care of her. When, when she's straddling him and she says, I, she says, I want you inside me or something like that. He's like, <laughs> uh, okay, well, no, <laughs> like, and then they flip over. Seems like, like there's he's right on the cusp in there. of like, yeah. I could do this, but I'm not going to. Yeah, that's He's a great like, line. I make it a rule not to get get involved with possessed people. <laughs> Sounds like you got more than one guy in there already. Already, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, they've they've picked up Lewis now. They're back at the fire station. The cops like, I didn't know what to do with this guy, so maybe you can take a look at him. Just like I'm not going to arrest him. Let's just give him to the Ghostbusters. Yeah, it is funny how they just give him to them. So easily yeah, they turn them over. So they get raided by the EPA. Um, and, and perhaps rightfully so. Yes. Because this yes. place explodes like Chernobyl when you, uh, pull a switch. Turn the power yeah. off. You just turn the power off. All, all, yeah, all you just, did, if there was a power outage, if there was a blackout yes. in the area, this would ex- have exploded. This is going to happen. Ago. So they set up our, they set up our villain when he's actually got a point. It's like, this yeah. is dangerous yeah. stuff. 
So, and again, you don't think about that as the as the kid. You're just thinking this guy's trying to shut down the Ghostbusters. We don't like this guy. Yeah. But he he may have had some legitimate he concerns here. Um, I mean, he didn't handle it well. When you're dealing with something no. like that, you shouldn't just turn the power off. Obviously, that was a reckless move to just say turn it off. But they were telling him it's dangerous to turn off. He should have listened to that portion. Mm-hmm. You know. But Lewis escapes during that time. Yeah. And he makes his way <laughs> back to Dana. And all Lewis had to do to bang Dana in this movie was get possessed by an ancient Babylonian demigod. <laughs> That's it. Is that all it takes, really? Yeah. It was there in front of him the whole time. Do you think he would have done it if he would have known sooner? Yes. Was it him, though? <laughs> was it Lewis? But did he yeah. actually get if to they, enjoy it's it? Their bodies, it's their bodies. Matter. Are they in there? Yeah. Do they did he even yeah. have the memory? Maybe hey, they actually... Is Oscar his kid? No. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that's that's legit. That's a legitimate uh, question. So the Ghostbusters get arrested for environmentally unsafe materials. But watching all the ghosts go through New York is is so much fun. And you Mm -hmm. see Slimer in the hot dog stand. The again, when I got back and finally finished watching this, the ghost in the taxi cab, yeah, the skeleton, the ghoul, <laughs> he's pretty oh, creepy looking. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. Why, when 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 Zool takes Dana, she's mm-hmm. uh, obviously wound up pretty tight as far as sexually. When Lewis gets, he becomes just completely simple. Like he can't. He doesn't know what's going on, where he is. Why is he so dumb? Why isn't he more like, it's funny though. I I love when he says like, do you you want tea? He's like, do I? Yeah. You know, like, I love that stuff. Yes, have some. That's my favorite. Yes, have some. (laughs) Yes, have some. All that stuff's hilarious. And I guess it's just done for laughs, but... It, Not I mean, you bring, plan by Gozer, but you know what I mean. You bring up a good point. I mean, it could be kind of a play on their personalities, and like they they are the simplest form of their personalities, and. You know, Dana might not be showing it, but she may be sexually repressed. She's she's living on her own. She might have the hots for Vankman. So Lewis is just yeah. a moron. And yeah. yeah, and Lewis is just a simple a simple guy. I mean, maybe you know, again, there's something you don't think about when you're a kid. You just take it for what it is. But yeah, I mean that's a good point. And we get another yeah. uh diehard cast member. Yeah. Yeah, I was get... gonna bring this up too. <laughs> I get the cop, Al. Re- Reginald Vell Johnson. Yeah. Uh amazing. Yeah. I smi- you have to smile when he comes on screen because he's great. And he's only in it for a split second. Yeah, for real a second. Um I love the the, yeah. the dialogue they have with each other in jail too. They just keep working on the problem. They're not. Yep. They're not yeah. sitting and, and sulking. They're. They're. They're just. And, and all the guys around them are curious about what's going on. There. Yeah. And Winston's they're trying to get it. out of jail. He's like, man, I just started working with these guys. I'm, I'm not part of this, dude. I just want to go home. My wife and kids, or whatever. I'm not. I'm not into this. I'm going to church on Sunday. I don't need to be part of this. But to listen to them go back and forth in the jail about it, and watch the guys around them, kind of like, man, what are these guys talking about? But I love when they get done explaining it in Venkman's response. <laughs> so be good. For goodness <laughs> sake. Oh. Somebody's coming. <laughs> it's like they couldn't use the name. So it's just, 
but again, perfect comedic timing. In yes. This. But like you know, we were talking earlier about how much science that you know Vinkman knows compared to Ray and Egon, and he's talking about hey act like I don't know anything about metallurgy or anything because you're like, <laughs> well, well, do you know any of this? Because Egon and Dan or and Dan Aykroyd's character, Ray, they know, but it's just like, he doesn't have a clue. And the one thing, all right. And they never studied. This, yeah. <laughs> you never studied. But that's another part where you see Ray about to lose it. Like he is smiling. Like he is about to just laugh. Yeah. He, like he's holding it all for everything. But the one part in that, and they've mentioned it other times in the movie is the Tobin spirit guide. I mean, did you guys know that it's actually a real book? I figured it was. I figured no. they they did talk about they re, they reference a lot of real yeah. things. And well, I guess that comes again, from Ackroyd then. Yeah, yeah, it's more like I think stuff. the book was written like 1920 or something from somebody back in the 1800s, and it was published. I was like, wow, I never thought it was real. I mean, you talk about it when you're a kid, you know, oh, the Tobin spirit, and then you realize, wait, that's a real book. Oh wow, yeah, they did do their homework. So they get called. To the mayor's office. And I love when the music kicks in. The synth oh, kicks yeah. in. It's like we're ready yeah. for the, the, the final act of this film. Yep. You know, it's it's on. We're going to the mayor's office. Yep, and he's getting advised by the EPA, by the police chief, the fire chief, the, like, grand cardinal or something. Yeah. Whoever is the head honcho <laughs> of the Catholic Church in New York. Is they're advising him. And he says um, they, they won't acknowledge anything. <laughs> they won't, yeah. No comment. No comment. <laughs> and then you get the, the famous Dickless line. Because Dickless here decided to turn off our power grid. Is that true? Is that true? <laughs> yes, it's, it's true. The, this man, this has, man no has no dick. <laughs> but then, I mean, you got Winston to thank for all of, all of where we go from here. So I have seen shit that would turn you white. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I did not get that as a kid. I was just like, wait, he's already white. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea what the reference like that, that back was. Then. Yeah, it's no. just Winston. He's cool. You know, that's all that yeah. matters. But really, what really gets him is the voters. Yep. Vankman. Oh, you see his eyes Millions light up. of yeah. registered voters. Yeah. But again, like they're making it up as they go and talking their way out of this because, again, we've established that Peck had a, a right to be concerned because this is what happened when something bad happens. Mm-hmm. And he's dickless. And then they completely disregard him. I want him out of here <laughs> for, for the bullshit that the Ghostbusters are giving him. Now their 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 only choice at this point is the Ghostbusters because yeah. they can handle it. But still, I mean, they throw Peck out like nothing. But he still has a legitimate. You know, well, he there did, are concerns here. He attacked Bankman, right? He, yeah. So like, I mean, he did assault someone. I love that when he like, leaves. I'm going to miss him. <laughs> and that's what Bankman says. He says, if we're right, then, or if we're wrong, we go to jail. Yeah. But if we're right, yep. we save millions of registered voters. Mm-hmm. And then the Ghostbusters are in action. But yeah. We get another practical, in. amazing practical effect of the, the road cable when they. Yeah, am I skipping ahead? No. No, yep. you're not. No. We're, no. We're about there. Yeah, well, they pull up on the scene. And, I mean, they have a crowd. People are in love with these guys are going to save the day a now. great new york 
and Venkman's shot, loving it. Yeah. Oh God, he's soaking it up, oh, yeah. man. He's, he's, he's game show hosting it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you see Ray, like he said, Ray's just into the ghost, and, and he's trying to get him out there. And Ray's kind of like, "Hey, how are you guys? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go do the ghost thing. This is Venkman's job." Mm-hmm. That was a set that they did with the road stuff with, but that that set wasn't an actual replica of that street in New York. Because that was the front of the building. There was a church next door. All of that stuff is real in New York. <clears throat> but they had to completely replicate it to do the set where the cars fall into the street and whatnot in, in mm-hmm. L.A. So A great effect. Uh, and they just climb out, which is funny. Yeah. Like, it was just like a... <laughs> I, and we get another gag right after it with, this, with the stairway. Um, yeah. Having to go up all those flights <laughs> of stairs is so funny. I don't... I, like, again, just attention to detail. Take mm-hmm. a moment out. We're we're about to get into the heavy stuff. Take a second and just do like a ridiculous, like make us wait yeah. longer. You know, we have to wait for these guys to climb all these stairs. We've got to save the day, but we've got to go up 22 flights of stairs to do it. Remind me when we get to the 20th floor at Wankus and we gotta throw up. <laughs> <laughs> and then they get to the apartment, and what do they have to do? Go up more stairs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And Ray, the exchange between Ray and Peter is... Where do they go? Where do these stairs go? They go up. up. (laughs) It's very apparent. So they're up there. They don't really know what to do. Um, Dana and Lewis are up there getting electrocuted into their dog forms again. And I love all the animated electricity, all that stuff looks amazing it looks great it looks yeah. amazing yeah you can even see the, like their skeletons internal oh, yeah. human yeah. skeletons lighting great, up as another they're... sort of cartoony you know influence there the the, the skeletons yeah. when they're getting <laughs> electrocuted um that was another funny thing about the commentary and listening to Ivan Reitman because he's every time he's calling out these optical shots they had to do he's like you would do that CGI now you would do that CGI now and I'm every time he says that I'm just like yep you guys did it right yep. <laughs> even even the bad stuff even the stuff that happens that looks bad I I don't think looks that bad well there's a couple really bad just a couple moments and yeah and i mean of course we love the, the dog, movie so it's yeah but, when the dog lunges a couple of times looks pretty bad right right and, i mean and, it looks like they <laughs> it looks like a piece of paper like being, yeah. being like uh you know stop motioned across the screen but uh but they, there they, are some of the the rooftop shots that don't look so good right but really just a couple and that when you don't have the the technology that's when design becomes so much more important you know yeah. and the design of everything is so great that you know it it helps lift it you know uh the the, the zool's stairway and like the door the gateway and all that stuff right this looks so otherworldly and bizarre and you know and that's the thing with the production the production design is so good it blends perfectly into what they're doing with the visual effects mm-hmm. so yeah so Gozer, Gozer the Gozerian. Yep. Gozer the Destructor. Gozer the Traveler. I wrote those down. So many names. Gozer the yep. Gozerian. <laughs> That's so like Zelda Funky Homo Sapien. <laughs> Gozer with a bitchin' ass flat top. Oh, yeah. Aim for the flat top. And five-inch heels or whatever they are. Yeah. She does a flip into those heels, too. Yeah. It's funny... 
they're up there and they're trying, you know, to get her to cease and desist. Yeah. <laughs> Ray, Ray's speech is so great. Go get her, Ray. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, she says, are you a god? He says, no. no. And then like his last one says, if someone asks if you're a god, you, you say, say yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> and if you watch Dan Aykroyd's face during that scene, he just looks like a kid who just like, lost the game of his life or something like he has this shrouded look on his face like he just screwed up so bad i love fresh-faced dan Aykroyd. yeah Mm -hmm. i mean it's a very different dan Aykroyd than you get later you know but uh bankman's out there just laying it on Mm -hmm. thick and i wrote as much as bill murray is not cool like the traditional cool person he is the coolest thing about this movie yeah yeah i mean he he is cool but yeah it's like some people are just cool because they're they're them not because they're like anybody yep. else uh you know like jeff goldblum for instance is like <laughs> unlike anyone else doesn't yeah. follow any kind of <laughs> and it's just like wow you're you're, you're just larger than life you're, you know and, yeah. and bill murray's one of those people so we have Gozer takes the form of whatever they think of. Whatever they think of, which they have to choose. Again, <laughs> I'm a little dumbfounded by this, and this is the one thing I could say about Ghostbusters: is he says J. Edgar Hoover. So yes. he thought of J. Edgar Hoover and spoke it. <laughs> Why wasn't that the form? I think it, it had Ray already been had taken. Already Ray had already thought of it. Yeah. 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 And but he, him just saying that is running the risk of it yeah. happening. But this would be me. Like, I would be Ray in the situation. My <laughs> mind is never blank. There's absolutely no way I could clear my mind of all thought. Well, if no. well, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much impossible. And if you did say J. Edgar Hoover, would he be 100 feet tall and act mm-hmm. like a baby? Or would he be, like, actually J. Edgar Hoover? Or would it be the cross saying J. Like if you Edgar said, Hoover, like, oh, I'll pick an know. ant, because an ant would be easy to smash. Would it be like a hundred foot ant? Probably. Probably. Yeah. Right? Probably. Um Well, I mean, there is a there is a mythos behind Mr. Stay Puffed, because Ray briefly goes over it. Yeah. I would say if there's one thing they don't go into enough detail on in Ghostbusters, it's Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. Yeah. <laughs> their I mean, their subtlety probably got the best of them there because they're dropping the hints throughout the movie, but when it happens, you're just like, okay. Yeah, what what no. the hell is this? Who's this? Like, yeah, right. you, you you don't establish it enough, and it, it's still completely iconic. But I love yeah. that it almost worked that. in reverse. I think I think in 1984, when you're watching the movie, which I didn't because I was two, but um, you know, you're not sure what's going on there. And that yeah. now we all know what it is. But yeah, well, I don't just, think you knew what was going on through most of the movie, so you're able to roll with it no matter what. Yeah, but. And I do I, I in the in the commentary Ivan Reitman's talking about when they test screen this and a lot of the shots with the effects and stuff weren't in the movie yet. But when they got to the stay puff part, they wanted to have something to be able to put in to have the people respond to. Mm-hmm. So they weren't able to do the guy in the suit and the miniature, the, the Godzilla looking stuff. Mm-hmm. But they had the shot of the head walking through the rooftops. Mm-hmm. Which is a great shot. 
and people lost their fucking minds. <laughs> like they were losing it. And and it, it, there was just that insert shot. They didn't have the full scene done yet, so they that's all yeah. they got. But he said that they responded to it so well that they knew they had something they could go off. It of. was so epic. And you know, movies in this time, and and a little further in, you know, beyond this this point in time, but they were pushing the envelope visually. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, Stay Puff, you know, I mean, Godzilla did that way before, but I, you know, with the miniatures and stuff, but they, this whole movie pushes the envelope visually where you, I just, that's gone now because we've, we've, yes, effects get better, but like yeah. we're at such a high level, we can't make leaps and bounds like they used to make. You know what I'm saying? Right, like yeah. this giant leap into certain movies that just, every time, if you went to the theater, you were going to see something you'd never seen before. Like, it was like, right. holy shit, you know? Uh, you know, Jurassic Park, you know? Certain movies just push things forward a little bit. And well, it's just, it's, it's just that, like you say, when he comes out, what a beautiful way to reveal the Stay Puft is his head behind these buildings, and he's huge. Yeah. And you never expected anyone this big to, yeah, I mean, it's, it's good. It's great stuff. Well, again, it, it comes back to that catching the proverbial light, lightning in a bottle because you're coming at a time when all of these effects are are fairly new. They're working with what they have, and again, it's just like it's just like Jaws. It's just like this. It's like everything that was coming out at this time. If you wanted to get this across, you had to do the best you could with what you had. And we will definitely be talking about Jaws on this podcast. But again, the fact that that is a real thing in the water that they could act with will make that better than any CGI could ever be. Because I don't care if you, you could put a guy in a green suit with a shark fin on his head and tell me it's a shark. It ain't going to, it ain't going to work. It's not going to work. I mean, as bad as people want to complain about how bad some of this old CG or some of this old practical effects looks, it, it makes the movie that much better because it's something physical. It's something they were able to work with. Yeah. Right. Interact with. Yeah. yeah, yeah. CGI has basically become a, a very much a crutch nowadays. It's like, okay, we'll shoot all this, we'll get back to that. Well, later. it's it's cheaper, and it's so much yeah. cheaper. That's yeah. what drives everything, you know, most cases. But I also love, again, you know, talking about just the concepts and the designs of all these gadgets and whatnot. But the idea that he's made of marshmallow, and when you shoot him with these lasers, he melts and burns like a marshmallow does. <laughs> like it, it, it's such a cool, and it hurts so many. It's like charred and catching fire. It's such a cool visual, and and it it feel it just feels like he's a real giant marshmallow man. You know, yeah. <laughs> the giant chunks of marshmallow coming down. You know, but it's it's great too because of that being the big bad, quote unquote big bad, but. It starts out as this innocent-looking little thing. Well, little, I mean, innocent-looking thing. He's smiling but, as he's walking. Hello. Yeah, he's <laughs> smiling as he's walking down. And then you get to the point where they're shooting him with the with the proton packs. But you see his his Demeanor. his facial expressions change the closer he gets to the building, yep. and he starts to get this bad big smirk on his face. And then they shoot him, and he looks like he's hurting. Like just the facial expressions they do with Stay Puffed is amazing and they're kind of creepy like there's a yeah. creepiness particularly when he's in pain and he's, he's like grimacing yeah. like it looks kind of jacked up like, when he gets to the when he gets to the <laughs> foot of the building and he looks up 
there's that one shot of him looking angry. He's like, like they're just <laughs> yeah. the facial expression he has there is so great. Yeah. And nobody steps on a church in my town. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking about That's, this all wrong. He's a sailor. He's in town taking in the sights. All we got to do is get him laid. We got to get this guy laid. We'll be fine. Yeah, I had originally heard that, you know, they were talking about Stay Puff coming out earlier in the movie, but they had really wanted him to come out next to the Statue of Liberty so you would have more of a size reference of yeah, how big sure. he was coming mm-hmm. out, but I yeah. guess they didn't get around to doing that. But I mean, Shoot, he's well, walking down there in New York. The buildings are tall, but yeah, you got to put him somewhere idea. for size. New York City's the place to have him. I mean, yeah, definitely, right? So, but they, they saved the Statue of Liberty for part two. We'll talk about yeah. that. That's, yeah, they figure out what they've got to do. They cross the they streams. Cross the streams. And I love that that whole exchange comes back full circle. He's like, wait a minute, Egon, you said crossing the streams was bad. <laughs> 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 but Harold Ramis's re- retort to that is so great. There's definitely a slim chance we'll survive. <laughs> <laughs> but you can see the look on their faces when they're realizing they have to do yeah. this. They've all kind of accepted that we're probably yeah. going to die. Yeah, they were ready they're, to go down for their city. Going, yeah, we're going to die for our. They are in fact heroes. Love. Yes, yeah, they are heroes. And Venkman takes it. I love this plan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to be a part of it. Let's do it. I think he's the first one to fire it up, too. He's like, let's do it. Let's yep. I don't care. I'm done. Show this prehistoric bitch how we do things downtown. <laughs> so they cross the streams and saves the day. And you get a great end of the movie end credits montage with everybody, which is just yeah. a great time. You know, yeah. I, I, I miss that. It's just fun there. You know, you got the name credits popping up right you got some great music with the music over yeah. it yep and uh well i love when they take care of stay puffed and the set the the, this, the hollywood sets destroyed and and there's so much marshmallow oh i love Except, the marshmallow i want to be i want marshmallow to dump on me i want to be in the i want to be in the marshmallow dump that sounds bad. But the thing is, <laughs> wrong kind of movies we're talking about here, Eric. Wrong podcast. Sorry. When Not when when Peck gets <laughs> every word I'm saying sounds dirty now, so let's just Peck. move on. And Peck gets they actually, no, they actually dumped that on the actor, and it was it was shaving sorry cream, to right? ru- sorry to ruin it for everybody, but it was shaving cream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was 50 pounds of shaving cream. You imagine how much, I yeah. mean, how many cans that is? Because, you know, shaving cream is a way. Like, that's like pounds. That's a lot of cans. That's like eight cans. There wasn't even a call. <laughs> there wasn't even a call on the script for a stuntman for that. They were just going to dump it on oh, William, <laughs> William, whatever his name is. And he, William Atherton, and he came to Ivan Reitman and was like, can I do this? <laughs> Am I going to suffocate? And, and I and Ivan Reitman was like, "Oh, we probably should try this out. It is like fifty pounds of shaving cream." And they 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 weren't even going to do a stunt a stunt test on it, and they did, and then it was fine. So they actually dumped it on William Atherton. So that must have been. But there so would be fun. so much more falling yeah. than soap. Like they exploded a building, part yeah. of a building. Right. Like people are kind of be getting knocked down okay. by debris covered as marshmallow. Yeah, like like burning marshmallow napalm raining down. Yeah. On yes, all the you people. You see flaming people run. There's by. an alternate ending to this movie. I mean, who who is 
roasted them. I love the smell oh. of roasted marshmallows in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who as a kid didn't, you know, roast a marshmallow and it gets stuck to your finger and you're slinging it. It will not like come off. Degree burns burned. on yeah. you or your tongue. Absolutely. This wouldn't, this, yeah, this would oh, be like a, a day remembered in, as <laughs> like a, you know, like. <laughs> They'd have a memorial there for all the people that yeah, died from burning. Yep. Yeah. So many people died of falling rocks. The rest of them died of third degree burns for marshmallows. It'd be great. You've got awesome. some priests in but the it, background uh, praying blessing over some, them. some yeah. of the marshmallow chunks. And I love that Venkman's the only one that doesn't have any marshmallow on him. Yes. And he's yeah. got like a little bit in his hair. Yeah. That's it. That's a perfect detail. Um, Do you think that that was just Bill Murray going like, I don't want that. Yeah, it absolutely, <laughs> it absolutely was. It you, you ain't putting was. that shit on me, man. No. You, you could put a little on my there. shoulder. Uh, that was another one of those moments in the commentary where Ivan Reitman was like, yeah, everybody but somebody was okay with the shaving cream. Race, I mean, uh, Dan Aykroyd was all for it. Oh, he, of course. he wanted it's them to fun. put more on him. Yeah. I, I, why wouldn't you? I, I mean, yeah, I you, that's just their personalities, where, I guess. Yeah, you can see Harold Ramis, Dan, and uh, uh, oh my God, Ernie Hudson. You know, they're probably like, just cover me in it. And then you see Bateman. Yeah. I got a spot here. Right but here. Bill Murray's Bill Murray's acting in this part is like he, he definitely looks, he looks like he's had it like emotional about it you know like he he, he takes it very yeah when he they, takes the, the acting to it yeah when they yeah. mentioned that hey man it smells like burnt dog and he's like oh oh vague man i'm i'm sorry yeah. you know because he thinks he just lost his girl <laughs> that he was falling in love with mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And another great callback and great effect of the gargoyle crackling again yep yeah, yeah. Uh, amazing they bust them out they set it up and they knock it down Beautiful. Set it up. I, knock it I love down. how you've got to you got to tear her out of hers, but Lewis just kind of like stands up and yeah, stands up and hey, just has the thing on his head. Um, and then Eric, you mentioned like the closing scene with all the credits. Uh, oh, there's yeah. so much going on there. Um, Lewis is so opportunistic. Like yeah. he is trying to become <laughs> their accountant and he's just been possessed by a demigod, but he's out there networking yep. like it's nobody's business. He wants to talk to the press. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He's all about it. I love it. And, he, and in the second movie, he is involved with them. He's, you know, yep. he stayed with them. <laughs> yep. Anybody want to interview me? Yeah. I was an eyewitness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, they all so get. In the Ecto one, the valet closes the door yeah. to the Ecto one the, from the building. Yeah, yeah we need a and, valet uh, yeah. over here. Is anyone dressed as a valet for this yeah. shot? <laughs> and um, <laughs> they have Ghostbusters t-shirts flying around. They need a copyright on those. They're losing out on some merch money. Mm. Well, Maybe Janine will take care of them. The... Um, the promotion for this movie started way before the movie was released and they didn't release the name of the movie. They just released the, the no ghost sign mm -hmm. yeah. with, with the uh, 1984 or whatever, or the, the date that it was going to be released. Mm -hmm. So that was floating around way before the movie was even brilliant, you know, put, yeah. put into brilliant the, marketing. You know, like, but I, I mean, a perfect ending to a perfect freaking eighties movie. You know, a perfect movie, period. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it, not just it, 80s movie, just all together. It ends at its crescendo, basically, and yeah. it just leaves you just as content as can be. I mean, I 
Is it the best comedy of all time? Well, mm. I, I wanted to put, I actually got a question off Facebook. Oh, bring it on. And, um, may not, may or may not have been directly pointed at us, but I found it very interesting and I didn't really want to bring it up until the back to the future episode, but I'm going to go ahead and bring it up now. What's the better movie? Ghostbusters or back to the future? Oh no! That that I, is. Like, I feel like I need to watch Back to the Future again because we're watching. See, it that's soon. why. That's why I wanted to. That's why I wanted to. Let's we, we set that up now. We we'll can set decided. that up now and be like, okay, when after the Back to the Future episode, we'll have a discussion. I I, I like that. I think it's close. I think, I think I know where I stand. I think I know where I stand too, but I want to rewatch but, it. First. Well, I think the people. I think the people who are listening to this right now. They need to go on our Facebook, Instagram, both of them, and they and they tell yeah all of our social media, and they tell us <laughs> which one's better. Yeah, and we need a poll. We need a poll. We should, yeah, we should create a poll. We need yeah. a poll. We want to know which well, you think. Twitter poll is easy. Do that. Yeah, it's, uh, Eric, you're the Twitter Meister. You can you could set that up, right? I can do it on Twitter. I I don't know. How to, you can't. <laughs> can't never could man. You, you can, can only it. get Eric on Twitter, and that's all. Yeah. <laughs> well, he does not do any other social. <laughs> I'm just media. saying it has a thing on the post for. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So that's a good I question, think, Josh. That's a good question. Yeah, and I, and, and it's it, like picking between your children. I don't know how, yeah, how to I mean, make a call like that. I'll do it, but I, it's not going to be easy. Well, we'll, we'll go ahead and set that up now. We'll, we'll pose that question. Ghostbusters or back to the future. Where do you stand? Hmm. And we'll discuss our opinions after, after we do our back to the future rewind. So sounds good. I think that will cause some good conversation, maybe some mm-hmm. some good arguments. Who knows? Maybe some hard feelings. I mean, I know the answer to this question. Is this movie worth a rental? <laughs> yes. Oh my god. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, is it even a question? I mean, yeah. 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 I mean, one of the greatest. This is movie. one of those that there is no question whatsoever. I mean, you could show this movie to a kid now, and I think again, not really a movie for kids, but this is one of the, I mean, if you're, I think this is another movie that attributes to my love for horror as well, because of being so scared of the visuals in it as a kid and being the fact that it affected me that way and like changed my emotion about something is probably what led me to watching nightmare on Elm street under the covers of my bed. And it, it is a, it's a great introduction to horror for like a, a younger person or somebody who hasn't really watched horror because it's like a stepping stone from, (laughs) you know, comedy adventure action into comedy, into horror. And yeah, a a lot of those horror moments are some of the best horror that you can watch. Like, I mean, that you could put some of the scary stuff in this movie against actual horror movies. Right. It holds its own. That's what I'm trying to say. It definitely holds its own against anything else. Like like you said, the same people that did uh, poltergeist. I mean, yeah, Poltergeist is a very traumatic movie for some kids, especially dealing with clowns and everything else and yeah. dolls. But yeah, this movie's still right up there with some pretty scary things. So, you know, I, I like to pose the question, does this movie need a remake or did we need a sequel? And obviously we've gotten a sequel to it. We'll talk about that on another episode. We've also gotten a pseudo... I don't know if you want to call it a remake or a reboot. I would reboot. call it a reboot. I'd call it a re- um, wait. Yeah. Are you talking about the girl one? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we um, do have another sequel that was supposed to come out this past 
Which, June? looking at the trailer and looking where they're going with yeah. that, I would be interested in seeing where yeah. they're going with yeah. that. It feels, it has, just even in the trailer, you have a feel of the original a little bit. I mean, well, well it, they're I certainly aiming for son that. doing it. Isn't yeah. it his son shooting it? Uh, yeah, Ivan Reitman's son is, is it, directing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I don't so know. Cool. Like, keep keep it uh, in the family. I'm I'm a little nervous about that one, but I I I I'm a little reserved about it too. And the fact that COVID is pushing back all these movies, who knows? It's it may have lost its luster by now. Who knows? But um, I do want to touch on the the reboot a little bit because I know when it came out, it was a hot topic. There's the debate of did Ghostbusters need this? Like we've got a perfect movie. We don't need to reboot this. We're going to do it with women. Okay. It has nothing here's, to do here's what I'll say. with the fact that women are in it. If this yeah. movie had been remade now, instead of with women, but with like Seth Rogen yeah. and James Franco and like all those like goofy comedy guys, if they had remade this, it still would have been awful. Yeah. Because you cannot remake this movie. It Right. Yeah. Lightning in a bottle. Yeah, they captured something yeah. that you can't capture again. Yeah. It doesn't matter how good your script is, how good your cast is, you're not going to do it again. Mm-hmm. And it just you, you, wasn't a very good movie anyway. Right. I, you know, I don't think it, it was, was the fault good, of any of the any of the no. actresses in it or anything like I that, but it, it just was wasn't just, a very good movie. It was it a very run of the mill, you know. Yes. It could have you, you put it next to Men in Black sequels and things like that. It's just, eh, you know, we've we've been talking subtlety, and and I think, you know, in all aspects of this movie, subtlety is the key. It's key with the comedy. It's key with everything about it. The thing about the reboot is there was nothing subtle about it. No. It's the comedy hits you over the head. It's like you're supposed to be laughing at this, whereas this is more more or less you're laughing because of just how ridiculous the situation is or the dialogue they're having. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. it's not a wanton joke or Chris Hemsworth as a stupid blonde or a dumb blonde. You know, I love Chris Hemsworth. I love Kristen Wiig. I love uh, all the girls that were in that film. Uh, in their in their spot, they're funny. They're funny women, but yeah. this was not a funny hilarious. script. I think there's, yes. and this is a tricky subject, but I think there's been sort of. I find socially, you know, when you're trying to make progress in certain areas, no matter what it is, it, in an effort to 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 fix certain inequalities, they overcorrect yeah. in many cases. And that's part of change, I think. You you have to have that to get real change. You have to, like, overcorrect. And then we kind of, like, steer back. And when we steer back, we're, we're, we're further progressed than we were before we yes. pushed hard. And yeah. I think there was yeah. this giant push to just make a girl version of everything, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and it, or, you know, push female uh, leads and push female... And it it made they made a lot of great films out of it, but they also just made a ton of movies that didn't necessarily. Forgettable. They're not all going to be great films, yeah. you know. But yeah. you just yeah. got this giant push of let's make a girl version of everything, and 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 that's great. I'm all for like, you know, some of my favorite, you know, Aliens probably my favorite movie, you know, like uh, Scorning Weaver again, call mm-hmm. out. Yeah. But uh, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But I mean, you look at something like Bridesmaids. 
It's hilarious. The thing is, I mean, it, well, it's most of that same cast. In that to movie. ride the Watch coattails that of Bridesmaids. That's their movie that they made. Yeah, there you go. And yeah, it's that, amazing. And exactly, yeah. like that yeah. was their thing. They're that not trying to wheelhouse. make somebody else's movie. They nope. made their own thing that they're good at. I mean, obviously Hollywood's going to do whatever they need to do to make money, and if they think they've got a, a, a something that's going to line their pockets, they're going to make it. Sure. And, and they're going to do that with Ghostbusters or Jaws or Back to the Future whenever they get to the point where they whatever feel like they, they need they to do to. it. Yeah. It doesn't mean I'm going to be happy about it. Yeah, like so, Halloween. Well, we'll talk. We'll talk about <laughs> that soon. Michael J. Fox could play Doc in in the new. <laughs> Back to the future. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the switch rolls. Now, see something like that. I could, I could almost get on board and be like, okay, you're you're giving well, me not a, a remake, <laughs> not a remake, of right? <laughs> New character, yeah. but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, they tried to do that with this Ghostbuster, the the female Ghostbusters, with throwing the original cast back in there. But mm. you could tell they didn't have. That well, those are like throwaway scenes too. They're not really yeah. part of it. Yeah. But besides so, that one, I mean, who all watched the real Ghostbusters every Saturday morning? Oh, oh yeah. I Absolutely. loved uh, that cartoon, man. So good. Man, I, I I threw that post up the other day, and it seemed to hit a lot of people because I was like, I don't know. I think a lot of people really love this cartoon. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you said, yep. uh, my favorite episode still back to this day, uh, a buddy of ours, Roman, he even he went into detail of it, which ones I was talking about. Uh, the Sam Hain Halloween episode and the Boogeyman episodes with Egon being tormented by the Boogeyman when he was a child yeah. and stuff. Love those old cartoons like that. And even talking about the action figures, the real Ghostbuster stuff, like they made an action figure of the Boogeyman mm-hmm. and, and all that. And that's all stuff I had as a kid. Like that show. It's funny. Th- this movie became so engulfed in my childhood of the real yeah. Ghostbusters. And, and then when the sequel came out, we'll get into that whenever we talk about the sequel. But it was, you know, I lived, I lived for Ghostbusters when I was five and oh, six yes. years old. It was, <laughs> for years, it was what I was, mm-hmm. and it didn't so. fade. It, it it lasted for years of your childhood. It wasn't like a year or two because you know how ch- children are. You know, we forget and move on to the next best thing. Ghostbusters stuck with you. you know, when it come Halloween, anytime you were still playing Ghostbusters, you see anything with ghosts, you're thinking of Ghostbusters, and it went on for years. Yep. Yeah. And 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 now, if you play that Ghostbusters song anywhere everyone's going to smile. Uh, you know, like everyone in the room is going to smile and, and start singing along to that damn yeah. Ghostbusters song. Everyone's going to get up and dance and have yeah, a great I mean, time. Because so. it's just such a, it's such a classic. This will even tie into our Back to the Future episode because there was a lot of uh, controversy over this song and a song for that movie. Yeah, very true. Very yep. true. But. All right. Well, I think it's that time of the episode where we have staff picks. Staff picks. Staff picks. All right. Who wants to start tonight? Hey, let's change it up. Let Eric go first. Eric. Yes. What you got for us let's this go week? reverse order. Uh, well, we've been watching The Boys on Amazon Prime. The Boys. Great. That is not a, a comic that I ever read, um, but I was familiar with, you know, that it, that it was out there, the basics of it. Um, it's pretty great. And the guy, yeah. the, 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 you know, it's, it's basically a, a, a realistic evil justice league basically, yeah. or, you know, some of them, the don't. social, the social commentary about it is what really makes right. it for me. And yeah. um, you know, it's basically what if Superman was, you know, 
a dick, not yeah. a good guy, you know, and, and he <laughs> yeah. could just do whatever the hell he wanted to. And you had to sort of manage him, you know, yeah. uh, you couldn't stop him. So you had to manipulate him or, you know, trick him into doing certain things or just do what he says because he might kill you. Uh, there's some good stuff in there. And uh, there's some pretty heinous moments and crazy like set pieces. And um, it's uh, it's a fun watch. So that is my pick. Written by Garth Ennis, uh, based on a comic written by Garth Ennis. Yes. He's one of my favorite comic writers. Yes. Wrote Absolutely. the Preacher series. Preacher, yes. Mm-hmm. He he does such a good job at making comics that are are are, are written with such such underlying dialogue and you know Preacher is one road you can go down and then there's the boys you can go down and there's, there's so much political undertone and stuff that he's commenting on and and I thought it was going to happen with Preacher. Unfortunately, I think the Preacher TV show went down a a, a, a troubled road, but mm-hmm. the boys seems to be really delivering on a lot of it. I don't know how closely it's following the comics, but um, I definitely am a fan of, of Garth Ennis's stuff, and I'm I'm excited that they're doing TV shows based on his stuff. So. Mm-hmm. And Carl kind of, Urban's in it. Carl Urban, and he, yeah, Carl and Urban's he has great a in beard. it. Yeah. I'm just upset. Like I know <laughs> he I, I, he's he's talking about it as like uh everybody's uh complaining about the way Amazon's releasing them this time where you can't just binge watch it you have to wait I like it I, I like, like it too so. I like it too I just I feel like you lose something when you binge stuff I mean as much as I like to just sit and binge something especially if I'm really into it I feel like I lose a little bit when I binge stuff like that cuz you're not thinking about it for a week yeah. like you're just going one after it's, the other yeah it, it's fun to reflect on an episode before watching another one. and yeah. uh, there you go yeah. Because we that's like the Game of Thrones syndrome with us. We got really into Game of Thrones, watched the first four seasons, like binged, binged it, it, and then caught up. And then by the time we caught up and we were going into the theories about what was going to happen and everything, we were just like, have we even been watching this show? Because yeah, like, we did not know what anybody was talking about because we went through it so fast. Yeah, but Jason, what's your pick? Oh, I'm on a little lighter uh, mood uh, this week. Um, been... I, I do a lot of YouTube because, like I said, live out here and got nothing to do. Uh, found this cool little YouTube station I've posted on Facebook a few times from this little group called the Merkins. It's M-E-R-K-I-N-S. These guys do parody videos and songs dressed as your favorite uh, horror icons <laughs> do, and it is so great. Like, there's one with it's it's George Michael Myers doing Careless Sister. <laughs> And then they got the, the newest one that I saw is Pinhead doing Man in the Box by Allison Chains. Oh Very nice. And it kind of fits. And then uh, I saw you posted that. Yeah. The KWA one is, you know, it's the knockoff of NWA, but it's called Killers with Attitudes. And I mean, it's a guy dressed as Freddie, Michael, Jason, Chucky, everybody. And it's it's just fun to watch. It's, it's you know, just, you know, because they're your great songs that we all grew up listening to. And the parody versions are so great because they go right along with the character themselves. You know, of course, Leatherface is going to write something about cutting somebody up with a <laughs> chainsaw or Michael's, you know, waiting outside your window. Lori, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> you know, but it's, it's just a little lighter thing. And then they usually release a video every couple of weeks or something, it seems. But great guys. I mean, I haven't dug deep into everything that they do, but just their little YouTube channel with these great parody videos is hilarious, especially since it's all horror icons. So it's pretty fun. Jenny, what's your pick of the week? So mine's also music related and you haters are going to have to go on and hate because 
I'm recommending Taylor Swift's new album, Folklore. It is fantastic. My daughter loves it. Yep. I think it might be her best album. Um, I have been waiting for Taylor Swift to do an acoustic album probably since Fearless, which is her second album. And because I'm going to go on a stand here. The girl is talented. She's She's talented. She does have talent. She's an amazing lyricist. Yeah. She's, she's arguably the biggest artist in the world, right? Yeah. And people don't give her enough credit because as of late, Mm -hmm. the past few albums, she's been lots of pop and flash and controversy, Mm -hmm. but this is stripped down. It is as close as I think we're going to get to an acoustic album from Taylor Swift. And she has completely rebranded herself. And I feel like what she's done is like, is telling everybody she's stripping away everything that you think about her, everything that she's presented to you throughout her career. Back to, back to songwriting, back back to to songwriting, back to music, folkier kind of stuff yeah from what i've heard from you know yeah yeah like this is what it is at its core and she performed on the academy of country music awards uh last night something that she has probably not done in several years having gone the more pop track but yeah her performance last night she is sitting on a stool with an acoustic guitar She's wearing pants. She has a very demure makeup and hair. And she's doing an acoustic version of her new song, Betty. And I feel like this is a huge statement for her saying, I'm back to what I do best. You don't need all this flash. This is what it's about. Yeah, back to basics. Yeah. yeah. And if you're not a Taylor Swift fan, I would just encourage you to give it a listen because it's not like any other Taylor Swift. I can I can attest. I mean, I, I've really grown to appreciate Taylor Swift over the past few years. And a lot of that comes from just you listening to it a lot. But as as a musician <laughs> on repeat, <laughs> on repeat, y'all um, <laughs> got shorts, every fucking color. Um you know, as a musician, I can totally respect what she does, and I mean, yes, she's she is a good songwriter. And when you really strip away the when you strip away the BS, she's got some very very good songs. She is a very good songwriter. I'll be. Yeah. I mean, she does she does have assistance on a lot of that, but she but she writes songs for other people. But you know, you look at the nature of most music nowadays and country music, especially. Those artists are not writing those songs. It is oh, no. completely, you know, completely the pop. You know, it, even when they gave her so much shit for going over to the pop game, like t- country music has turned into the pop game. I oh, mean, there man. are more there are more beat tracks on country music nowadays than there are on on hip hop and R and B almost. Like, well, and then you look at it's not just country now; it's country for a while like george Strait is like the number one selling country artist of all time and he's never written a single lyric right right that's crazy i mean i I definitely 
that that's where my respect comes from. Is she puts in she puts in the work. She does. She may not Absolutely. do all of the writing or whatnot, but she two albums puts in, in eleven months, y'all. Two albums in eleven months is something. Hey, and, and I, I just read they locked up her stalker too recently. Like, oh good, got up a stalker. And he's in jail. Nice. Oh good, good. And His name is Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> he lives in such Central Park West. Where is Rick Moranis nowadays? He's an accountant. No, her, He's stalking her. Her, her, uh, her album before this one, Lover, was a really good album. It's too. Really good. I mean, it had its pop moments, but it was you could see she was on the trend of where she was going with this yep. new one. So, um, what about okay. you? Yeah, come on, Josh. What you got? I'm going the music route too, completely other end of the spectrum. But I've been listening to the new Deftones song, and I cannot fucking wait for the new Deftones record. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like I'm cheating people by saying go listen to the new Deftones when it's not even out but I mean the song they released it is a very different feel for Deftones especially from what they've done the past couple couple albums but they I am so excited just by that one song to hear the rest of the album and Deftones is a band that I have they're responsible for why I'm into a lot of the music I'm into they're a band that I fell in love with when I was a teenager and have never lost the love for them they they've never released a bad album in my opinion some of their albums are better than others but none of their albums are bad by any means so i guess my pick would just be deftones in general but <laughs> i i'm so i'm so stoked for for the new record and apparently they're releasing a new song tonight and i'm jonesing to hear it cuz apparently it's pretty fucking heavy so and i i they're a band that can go from one end of the spectrum to the other they can give you really chill music they can give you really heavy music and and they just do all of it well so i deftones would definitely be my pick of the week this week maybe they're listening to this podcast i can only <laughs> hope <laughs> but i think that's going to do it for this episode of the vhs files ghostbusters 1984 one of the greatest comedies ever made in my opinion yep yep agreed so we will um, we'll be coming back to you guys next week. We are going to be doing a promotion episode next week or whatever you want to call it. We'll be doing our first when you go to the video store and they had the promotions and you could do rent one, get one for free or, you know, new release. And this one's 99 cents. And they used to do like a five for five. You could rent five movies for five bucks. Guess what, ladies and gentlemen, our next VHS files episode is a five for five. Um, somebody in the VHS files, uh, department is going to be turning 40 this year. That's me. <laughs> Not me. I'm already past 40. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm there, man. But it coincides with Friday the 13th turns 40 this year as well. It is a major horror franchise. I am, if you were to look directly across from where I'm sitting right now, you would see a lot of Jason memorabilia and action figures and stuff an adult should probably not own. But, these movies are some of the most fun. I will go ahead and say as a horror movie franchise is my favorite. So that may be able to lead you where we're going with next week's episode, but we're going to be watching. We've been generally staying around the 1984, 1985 era. So right now with it being the 40 year anniversary of the first one, and we're going to be leading into the 1985, 35 year anniversary stuff. By 1985, you had five Friday the 13th movies, so we're going to do the first five for you guys. We're going to do one through five. It's a good little spot where you can go into where they were 
where they were headed, where they went, and then we'll later on pick up from where they went after the first five. So if you like Friday the 13th, if you like horror, if you like what you've been listening to as far as this podcast goes, please tune in. We'll be dropping that um, the next Friday, the first Friday in October it will be dropping. We'll be talking about the first five Friday the 13th. Five for five. So that's it, everybody. We will talk to you guys on the next one. Until then, we're going to say what we say at the end of every episode. Be kind. Rewind. Thanks, guys. Bye. Good night. Bye. It's over. You've been listening to the VHS Files podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and drop us a rating and a review wherever you get your podcast. Email us your comments, questions, and movie suggestions at the.vhsfiles at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook at VHS Files Podcast, on Instagram at vhs.files, on Twitter at vhs underscore files, and head over to our YouTube channel at the VHS Files Podcast for more content. Thanks for listening. Yeah, we got to cut back on that shit, y'all. I got to go to sleep. And I peed forever, too. Put your lips up on it. It wasn't just like, oh, I'll go pee real quick. It's like. I'm like an old-timey telephone operator, but I can't hold this on my head any longer. Got to pee, and you just, you're just you in a hurry, and just like, oh, time for an eight-minute pee, you know? <laughs> uh, Hulk Hogan first wins the uh, cut, cut, um, and but when the... What's his name? I'm quitting the podcast.